Hello and welcome to episode 79 of NPS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. My name's Davey and joining me as always is the fine wine himself, Mr. Philip Hoy. Waka, waka, waka. Okie dokie. And Spencer Davis. Yes, lads. How how are we doing so far in to no not November, boys? Day two. How are we how are we holding up? Yeah, not a jest day. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. I didn't realise that's a thing. Do people really do know not November? Is that actually a thing? It's a thing. I think most people lie. But I think people say they do it. I'm trying it. Are you looking but... for sponsorships, Spence? Is that how it works? Do we all sponsor you a tenor so you don't do it? I could I in good faith I couldn't take money for it because I know chances are give me about well what time do we finish give me five minutes after that and I'll probably be you know beating that I mean the podcast is good but is it that good listeners please write in and leave a comment if you do nut in no nut November after listening to the podcast we do want to know leave it in the comments below put it on the reviews as well that would be great this podcast made me jizz everywhere hashtag ruined no nut november i'd be well happy with that comment i'd love that actually in fact i was going to ask a totally different question but i instead while we're on the subject of no nut november i want to ask a question related to this i actually just want to use this now as the question in terms of are there rules for no nut november in terms of like obviously you're not allowed to make yourself nuts right what if you have like a wet dream is it invalidated at that point what also if you keep yeah, it's, it's gone. It's a, that, like that's over lost. then at that point. What you about, gave in to temptation even in your dreams. You what if, accidental what if, nut? Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. You rub up against something a little bit too much. What are you rubbing for, man? That's, it's you, an accident. You, you, you are, you're almost falling onto something. <laughs> well, and it makes you nut. <laughs> I don't know how little it takes <laughs> for you to nut, my friend. But I, if you lose, you lose. What if you have one of those things where like you jizz with no hands right like you know some people are able to do that i'm not it'd be quite nice because it would just be a lazy one wouldn't it but you know like that thing where you could just sit there throb it a bit and it's over what about that does that count if nut leaves your penis it's over you've lost what is the matter the method what if you hold your finger over the end so it can't come out like a corkscrew (laughs) If, <laughs> if you do that to the point where nothing comes out, I'd allow it. Okay. So pre-cum is nut. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Well, no. Ooh, because actually. lots of people pre-cum and then they stop themselves. They deny. Edging, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good that. But you're allowed to do that. That's in the rules. You just can't Finish. hit the grand finale. Yeah. Okay. So what they need to invent, or someone needs to come up with this idea is something that you could just put on the end which stops it from coming out, right? And I imagine at some point, you know, if you kept on really teasing it, some point something's got to give, right? So either the either the cork flies off uncontrollably or your penis explodes. One of the two, I think. So, I mean, is, is that a possibility? Is there an invention that can help people from doing this or is it just one of those fucking those belts that people put on when they like lock their dick up Chastity or whatever belts yeah one of those things yeah. uh as far as i'm aware chastity belts are probably the only method but if you're willing to put a little something up there to block it i mean 
to each their own, man. But you can do it. I'm thinking it's just an invention that would help the people that are like desperate not to nut, right? They're like, this is my year. I failed every year. This is my year. I'm going to really, you know, double down on this now. They could have some little device. This this I'm picturing this. It's like kind of, kind of like this, right? And sits on the end like a cap, but then you like kind of screw in on the top and it like just plugs the top of it. And and then the only time it has to be kind of quick release so that you can go for a piss. So we have to have some kind of mechanism for easy release. But I'm thinking, you know, sell that for ten pounds, not a huge cash investment for someone. And that could be something you think, here we go, mate. I'll get you this for this year. You'd have to be really keen on the charity you're trying to donate to to go through that sort of pain, wouldn't you? It would have to be some kind of like kids kind of charity or like a cancer charity or something like really big here that you're trying to raise that money for. You know, do it for the kids. Would you do it for the kids? I think just associating no. jizz and kids in any way just kind of puts me off from even remotely entertaining well, that's all the it is. idea. Jizz and that's kids. That's all it is at the end of the day. Well, yeah. yeah. yeah I suppose that's what creates kids, Where right? Where do you think they come from then? <laughs> you're the expert me. here. Out of me and Spencer, come on. Come You've on. been through this process. You know how it all works. To me, it was just a mystery. To me, it was just like, oh, we've been doing this for ages, and all of a sudden, there's a kid there now. You know, how did this happen? This one on the, this one on the agenda. So, yeah, I, I thought it would be one of those things, you know, that there's bound to be some help there. Whereas all I see is whenever people are talking about, like, No Not November, it becomes, like, the worst time on the internet. Because all it is is just constant porn everywhere. Yeah. Where people are just trying to off-put each other from doing No Not November. Like, no one really ever shares porn anywhere near as much as they do when it's this time of year. And I was thinking, Spence, maybe this might be the year you grow your moustache out a bit. Go for that November money. But that's what I did the one year for your birthday, Phil. And as soon as Big Dog got in the car, he was like, how long have you been growing that, mate? Ten years. And I was like, ah, well, it's got to go. <laughs> Classic. Gotta go. I did keep it for all of November, but I did also look like a serial killer. How much money did you raise? I just did it for me. You just did it for the fun of it. So yeah. the No Nut November, you're doing that for the fun of it, and you grew, grew your moustache just for the fun of it. Yeah. Exactly and you could be right. saving children and curing cancer, and you just did it just for your own fun. Very selfish, Spencer. How dare oh. you? I'm trying to better myself as a human, you know? So fuck them kids. Fuck, well, you know, I wouldn't say <laughs> fuck people with cancer. That's a bit peak. But I'm doing it for me, and I encourage you lot to do it for you. Or jack off it really doesn't matter too much going back to the whole social media of it that davy sort of brought in there have you ever just been on twitter and you've just found something so enticing that you have to just go for it because that doesn't happen to me but i am 38 i'm getting on a bit now now i'm directing this more towards you spence than i am davy how do you feel about that have you just been scrolling through and you just thought jesus christ where's the closest place i can dump this I'll tell you exactly what it was that did it too. Back months ago, quite a while ago now, only a few months, still this year, Capcom showed the first gameplay trailer for Kami. Oh, Jesus. I was home at the time, thank God. But it was, it was a long day, I'll tell you what. But thank God it wasn't November. You, you were basically Spider-Man at that point. You were shooting webs all over your room. Your mum comes in. She's like, Jesus Christ, you get bitten by a radioactive spider. It just trails everywhere. 
poor woman. She's like, it's either that or a xenomorphs invaded your house. One of the two, you know? One of those kind of situations. On an unrelated to sex thing, I have had the thing where I've been scrolling through Twitter, and you know there's always those like kind of random ads that come up? And most of them I just completely ignore, right? But there was one where it was this this guy, it was a cleaning product, right? And he had this minging-looking sink, and he just rubs this fucking thing over it, and it was fucking spotless. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What is this? And if I'd been a weaker man, I would have ordered that straight away and got scammed. But now, thanks to like the reader notes, they're like, this doesn't work. And I was like, oh, damn. Davey, you need to have that ad blocker on because the next time you visit the Pirate Bay, you're going to get Swedish dick enlargers and you're going to get Russian brides. And if you're that susceptible to marketing, you know, people like me, we're rubbing our hands together. Not that that's the things I market, but you're, 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 you're what we call a sucker, right? You're, you walk in and you're that big lollipop with the word sucker across your face and we're just ready to sell to you. So make sure you get that ad blocker. That'll save you a lot of money, mate. Well, I won't need to worry about money, mate, because I've clicked on that on the one billionth clicker, and I've just got 10 mil in the post. So all I have to do is input my card details. It should be coming with me any day now. And then money's no object, right? It's all those Mr. Beast posts you keep sharing all the time. Share this, and you get 10,000 euros or pounds or dollars or whatever he keeps telling people. Does that ever come in? No, never. He gets a lot of clicks, though, doesn't he? He gets a lot of engagements. You just got to keep going, mate. He, he's onto something there. He could, he's almost lying about giving away money. Maybe, oh, maybe we should do a giveaway next episode, guys. Could be a way to build engagement. Exactly. All I'm thinking is that what we do is we sponsor or we get people to sponsor Spence's No Nut November. And then you could be blowing loads every day, Spence. Just don't tell anyone and we'll just keep that money back. You don't need to keep like a, you know, a big brother-esque blog on you. Like, you know, we're just constantly just filming your, your crotch to see if you break. Just tell them on the next podcast. No, nah, I haven't known still. And little did we know. Yeah, your room's just fucking, it's not like a yellowish door behind. It's ice white now. You know, no one will know. It'd be fine. Wipe down, isn't it? Wipe down. No one will know. But yeah, that's indulge my, uh, my interest on No Nut November. Audience, if you are partaking in No Nut November then fair play to you. If you feel like you need some kind of cock-stopping invention, let me know, and I'll get the thinking cap on, and then we can put the cap on your knob. Good times. Let me know. Write in, psvtrustgmail.com, or reach out to us on Twitter. Always a pleasure to listen to you guys. But I got, before we move on to the normal run of the show, and of course, we have an absolutely stacked show, as we always do, but today is even more stacked than normal. We've got the normal run of the show in terms of what we've been playing. Moving it on to quick news. We've got two rumors for you today and the topic of the show with listener questions. Holy God damn, it's going to be a good one. But we've got to have a little bit of a conversation here, guys, before we move it on to what we've been playing. Last episode, there was a court case battle where myself and Phil, we were in the right. I still believe we are in the right. But Spence was there. He was getting a bit sad. And he was fighting his corner and he was and he was, you know, whining a bit, to be fair, when he was whining. And so we thought, right, let's put it up to the, the public opinion. Let's see who is actually right on this. And yeah, we got the results in. I don't think we really need to go through them, to be honest. Um No, no, <laughs> no. Who's whining now, pussy? Come on. <laughs> so I asked the audience, this is what I said. 
You've all had a few days to listen to the app, so it's time to settle the bet controversy. Did Spencer get the bet right? The bet, of course, was that the PS5 Slim is a digital console. Your choice. Two shots on the line. Spencer was right, won 94.1%, Phil. 94.1%. I would say we got robbed, mate, but I think maybe we were robbing Spence. It's disappointing, isn't it, that Spencer's finally brought out all those burner accounts that he's got and he hasn't been subbing to the YouTube. We're a couple of subs away now from 200 and he's used 17 votes, sorry, probably 16 of the 17 votes, voting for himself on Twitter. Terrible show. Terrible. But you could say this whole conversation about was Spencer right, was Spencer wrong, kind of ruined the topic, really. We didn't get to really dig into what was going on with those new consoles fully. You know, I've listened back to it. There was a lot of whining, a lot of bitching. And for whatever reason, our listeners have sided with the little bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's laying down stacks. All I'm going to say, Spence, is that I'm glad you won. I'm glad you won. The audience, I, I respect the audience's vote. You know, I I personally still feel that it is a digital and physical console. I honestly do feel that like that. But if this is what the audience think, and it's an overwhelming majority, then I'm happy to concede. So that means that two shots in the dock for myself and for Phil, and we will take those two shots off you. Is that I'll the outcome? I'll that... still do my one as well for bringing up the crown. So I'm happy with that. But I'm just glad we've reached a nice conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not nice for us, but, you know, it's good for you, mate. Wow. It's, good for, it's good for you and the audience. And I'm a man of my word. You know, I stick to, stick to what the audience say. So thank you very much for fucking us over, audience. Thank you. Thanks a fucking lot. You know, we had Spence win the, the public vote before about who was the best host. And now I think this has concreted it. So. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, well, now I've recalculated everything. I've rubbed out that impossible ink that I put on the page. I've managed to delete what I wrote. So Spencer now drops to five shots, I believe. That's the current standing. Obviously, you might pick one up from quick news today. Uh, David, we've both moved from six shots up to eight, which we will be consuming on episode 70, The Big Quiz. Oh, and of course, Spencer's got five to give away. So, aka, you and me, Phil, we ain't walking out of that alive. We're dead. I think that's going to be the most shots that anyone's had on, on the show up to this point. I don't know how many we had last time, but we, we weren't at, like, double dig. And this time we are. I was on double dig the one time. Were I you? don't know. <laughs> really? I must have been. I must have been near 20, man. I was... <laughs> Beyond. I was gone. You've got to remember that generally we hand out shots within the task that we put people through as well uh, in, in the topic, we call it, uh, of the big quiz. So there's these shots as well as the kind of forfeit shots that come through. So yeah, it's a very messy time for everybody included. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Spencer actually had the double digits on a previous show, but we're definitely in the double digits this time around, Davey. It's going to be a grim time. Fun time though. So look forward to that. Two weeks' time, episode 80, going to be gracing you all, where we all come up with our own individual quizzes, scoring five points. Each wrong answer nets a shot. So, yeah, we'll see if we survive. But that's enough lead up. Let's bring it on to what we've been playing. This time, 
on NPS We Trust. What have the boys been playing? So guys, it's been two weeks since the last podcast episode and I'm desperate to know what you've been playing. Spence, chuck it over to yourself. Sound. So I've not really been playing too much. I've mostly just been on my One Piece binge this last however long it's been. But there was one little game I played, or a demo of a game, because the full game's not out yet, called Crow Country, which is a top-down survival horror uh, kind of PS1 graphics game. It's the hardest survival horror I've ever played in my life, and the reason for it, this game, this demo pissed me off. There's rooms in there, right, with puzzles, and you need items from other rooms to solve these puzzles. Great. They've left the rooms in there, but that's not how you beat the demo. You solve one puzzle and you go through a door and the demo's done. They've just left these other puzzles you can't solve in the demo. And I was walking around for like two hours, racking my brain, game pissing me off. And I opened the door and it said, thanks for playing. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no. The anger that rose inside me. It was insane. All that time doing diddly fuck. But... It was a good game. It's just they, they fucked up when they made the demo. Other than that, combat's fine. Resources respawn. So not a big fan of that. But the combat's fun. The enemies are fun. The environment's really good. And the puzzles were great. So I think it's going to be a great game when it does come out. Oh, wow. Any idea when this is coming? Crow Country. It says it initial release 23rd of October. Ah, oh, there we go. So yeah. So it's probably out on Steam. But it's not out on PlayStation just yet. But the demo is on PlayStation. Just doing a bit of reading while you guys are going your back and forth talking about the Crow Country. And this game, it's a new retro-style survival horror game for PS5 and PC, as you've mentioned. And they've they've put it they've put these words out, right, as the description. I don't know how much I believe um, them, and I'll, I'll pose this to you, Spence, to see how much you believe them as well. But they say... What if Resident Evil and Final Fantasy VII came together in one game? The year is 1990. You're in Crow Country. <laughs> now, I like marketing. We've established this. I work in marketing. Brilliant. Let's attach a game to two other absolutely huge IPs. Yes, definitely. Let's get them in those search uh, terms. But for me, I'm looking at this, I can't really see the link between those games apart from it's a survival horror. Okay, so yeah, sure, it's like Resident Evil. Now, Spence, having played the demo, is it like either of these games? I think that is a perfect description for the game. Genuinely, because the game plays more or less exactly like Resident Evil. And the aesthetic and the visuals of the game are literally Final Fantasy VII on the PS1. So that's where it is. It doesn't play at all like Final Fantasy. Not a bit, but it looks like it. It's got the same uh, graphic style. But the gameplay is all Resident Evil. 100%. There we go. I'll eat my hat. Apparently, if you like Resident Evil and you like Final Fantasy VII, this is the perfect game for you. Need to buy a ticket to the Crow Country. Mate, yeah, fucking sign me up. I'm moving to Crow Country. That sounds... That description is wild. I mean, it, imagine they had and Metal Gear Solid included. Like, you're talking like my three favorite franchises on PS1, just in one game, right? It'd be insane. But yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy slaps tits. Survival Horror slaps tits. I'm going to be slapping some boobies all over Crow Country, man. I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds great. I, I'm, I think I'm going to check this demo out. And um, 
and give it a look see see what i'm potentially missing here because if you enjoyed it and you're saying it's you know it's, it's good and it's fun and it's quite novel that's enough for this space that is enough because i mean the indie scene we've got to talk about this guys the indie scene for horror and survival horror in particular is fucking killing it you know i mean like next year we got like tormented souls 2 uh gracing the platform let alone kind of everything else that we forgot that's already come out over the last few years in this indie space I know that we were always talking about survival horror now as in its like renaissance at the moment with, you know, the likes of Dead Space returning, Silent Hill now coming back, Resident Evil's been killing it for ages. These indie games have been just kind of like underneath the surface. They're like the, the, the next layer down on the iceberg where people that are into the genre know about them and people that aren't, they kind of just escape by the masses, right? But what a fucking great time to be alive and to be a gamer right now. To be in, you know, the survival horror renaissance and a fighting game renaissance as well, happening at the same time. So the 90s have just taken back over. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, when this comes out in 2024, then, Spence, are you thinking this is one that you're going to pick up kind of day one and support? I think it's definitely a day one game. I mean, if it's anything like the demo, it's re- it, it's Resident Evil. It's literally just Resident Evil. It's got the freaking... It's got everything. It's just it's the same... Same kind of shit. The puzzles are all kind of they like the puzzles are similar as well. They're not like logic puzzles. They are just Resident Evil puzzles. So I think it's definite day one. And I yeah, for me, easy. I'd quite like to see it come to PS Extra. But if it doesn't, I'll buy it anyway. Well, high high praise, high high praise. Let's move it on to the other game that you and me have been playing, Phil, because Spencer's already finished this as he uh, as as he laid out on the last episode. Spider-Man 2. Oh, hot dog. I want to hear from yourself first, Phil. How many hours into the experience are you? And I want to hear your updated thoughts about it. Obviously, we, we spent about an hour talking about it on the last episode, which we split into spoilers and non-spoilers, which we covered for the first seven hours of the game at that point. So that was uh, me. I was the furthest behind back then. I want to know where you are. Okie donk. Well, I think this conversation might be a little bit slimmer than our initial conversation, purely because I'm knee-deep in spoiler territory. So I'll update you where I am in the game. I've played around 14 hours of the game, but I am doing every little thing that pops up. All the side quests, all the collection quests, every single thing, and I'm exploring. So I would say I'm around 15 no sorry 60 something percent of the game when you log in and you've got miles and peter you know up against the wall looking over new york it's just an incredible game even just the start of the screen i'm like wow cannot wait to get into this and things are really heating up as i said in both the main story and the side story and it's got me hooked i've just been to a very cool section where the main bad i won't give anything away so far and the main good meet Does that ring any bells to you guys? Because that's where I am in the game at the moment. And maybe that was the giveaway. Ring any bells. I'm still on a 10 out of 10 for this game. And I haven't soured on it at all. Nothing. No bugs to report. No bug hunter here. Um, Everything is running liquid smooth with this game. I want to get this completed though. Before I go away for Christmas on my annual holiday. Um, so that's what I'm aiming for at the moment. Obviously, I consume games a little slower than you guys at the moment. And I and I, I think that 
you, you, you're probably going to come up when you do your little uh, review and tell me you've completed it. Oh, that's my assumption here because you're a lot faster than I am with games. But I like to take my time. But I think now setting that goal to get it completed before I go away is achievable for me. I'm going to go for the Platinum, obviously, because I've got the Platinum for the original Spider-Man. I do need to do my second run on Miles, and I think that is the time, once I finish this one, to go back through and Platinum Miles so I can ding them both at the same time sort of thing. Um, but let's see where we get on the next episode uh, before I start making any bets, before I start putting any shots down, because I've got too many shots in the dock at the moment for episode 80. Let's not put any more down at the moment. But once we get past 80, maybe I'll be betting on these things. But as I said, Definitely going to go for the Platinum on this one. Um, but I do have a quick question about that Platinum, Spencer. Is there a second playthrough? And is there any gotchas when it comes to the Platinum? Is there anything I should be looking out for on my first run of the game? Um, I wouldn't say there's any gotchas or anything like that. There's no New Game Plus. Uh, so you just start a new save. Uh, that's probably something that's going to be added in. But it's not there yet. It's a bit weird that's not there. So there's no second run. You don't need a second run. You can do everything on the first. The only thing to look out for really is those challenge trophies, uh, the combat challenges, because those are the only things I missed just naturally. Everything else I attained is really easy to get the platinum, but those combat trophies, I just never looked at trophy lists because I didn't want to be spoiled. And then I realized, oh, I haven't done four of these. So my combat was not the way the game wanted me to play combat, but that's the only thing to really keep your eye on because some of them are quite hard to do post-game because when you finish the game, you can still swing about and everything. But this a bit difficult to do, so just look out for those. Oh, that's good to hear. There's no second playthrough because I think that was my frustration, really, and that's the reason I don't have the Platinum for Miles Morales is that I did everything in the game, got to the end, and they're like, right, now you got to play it again. And I'm like, ah, oh, I've just completed it, right? I don't have the same emphasis to go through now. How many hours is it to complete the game and do, and just do the main story once again? I, I, I thought to myself, I'd leave it a little bit of time and then revisit it. And I think this would be a perfect opportunity once I get the platinum in this one, because it doesn't um, need a second run to go back then and do, do Miles. So I've got a bit of a comparison to kind of see where Spider-Man 2 has got to since Miles came out. So that, that's, the, that's the loose plan at the moment. But as we know, when we get into next year, it's going to be game after game after game. So we'll see what that leaves me. Yeah, exactly right. Well, your thoughts about where I was were pretty much bang on. Because yes, I've completed it. And yes, I've earned the platinum. Ooh, that's a platinum. Now, this is one of those platinums that actually I was feeling a little bit of pressure on in a way. Because every single day I got to it and I've taken like, you know, days off and just not really been playing it too much. And I could see the trophy percentage creeping up and up. And currently it's on a 15% platinum rate. So pretty much everyone's just going for the platinum. It's insane amount of people that are platinum in this game. Absolutely insane. So for those people that are trophy hunting and we're looking forward to this meaning something on your trophy list, tough luck. I think everyone's going to have it by the time uh, we get a few more months in. For me, guys, completing it, it took me 27 hours my in-game time showing that it took me to, to get it but a couple of those hours were where i let Cass just swing around the city and just let him have a go and so i probably think i did i reckon i reckon about 25 hours i think for the plat which seems bang on average when i look online at how long people take and i wasn't rushing through it or anything like that i was just playing it naturally and i gotta say i've seen a lot of people bitch about this online and say it's too short 
I thoroughly disagree. I think 25 hours for a game length is bang on. Absolutely perfect. Now, personally, would I have liked it to have been a little bit longer? Yeah, probably. I think there's some story stuff in here that I would have liked to see expanded. There's some threads that I think they could have been pulled a little bit longer than they were, which is a bit of a shame. But am I happy with 25 hours of game time for my money? Fuck yeah, I am. I, I mean, I'm one of those people, and I think you guys are on the same line with with me on this, that the, one of the reasons why I love survival horror is because you know you're generally, on a long time, you're in it for like 14 hours, but generally you're over in about 6 to 8. And it's just lush. You can just play it over like a couple of nights and done. And then the, the fun is in the replayability of those and how you do it better, how you do it quicker, that kind of thing. 25 hours is perfect. It's lovely. It's like a game that I took my time with. Obviously, Spence, you completed it over a weekend. I think if I'd had a free weekend, I could have done the same. But it was nice just going in and doing a few hours here and there as the time came up and just and just enjoying the story. Now, unfortunately, my opinion has changed from our last episode. So I was saying it was a 10 out of 10 experience and it was the best game of the year. I do not believe that's the case anymore. I really don't. I am going to rate this game as it currently stands now after completing it and getting the Platinum as a 9 out of 10. When you compare it to what came before in Miles and Spider-Man, the gameplay-wise, the graphics-wise, the presentation front, everything's so much better. Literally leaps and bounds above what came before. For me, I don't think the story is as good as the first one. I don't think it's actually anywhere near it. I really don't. The relationship between the kind of main characters is good. I don't think it's anywhere near on the same level as Doc Ock. And it felt a lot more like every single story I've seen featuring these characters than anything else. So I, I kind of knew where it was going and I could figure out, oh, I bet this I bet this character is going to save this character and I bet there's going to be a section where they're going to use this and it's going to be that. And it was exactly as, as I kind of called it, which was a bit of a shame and it did kind of take away from it. Like the ending of the first original Spider-Man has literally stuck with me for years, like since 2018. Like that entire ending and that whole like battle with Doc Ock on the side of the skyscraper that leads into the death of a, of a really pivotal character just took me by surprise and just fucked me up. And this didn't have that. And I kind of feel like as if I could have had maybe a bit more time with a couple of the baddies that I feel like I didn't get to have. And especially for me, there's a moment, and this is non-spoiler, so sorry I'm having to be so vague with this, but there's a moment in this where something really key happens, and from that moment, from this big pivotal fight, the rest of the game never matched up to that part that was like three hours earlier. And and that kind of was a bit of a shame. When when one character exits, it was kind of like, ah, oh, okay, uh, where, where do we go from here? How do we kind of pick this up and build this? Um, and I know this is probably just me, but I'm not dunking on the game. A 9 out of 10 is fantastic, right? It really is. And and I think this this is probably Insomniac's best game they've ever made, especially from like a, a presentation presentation front. But yeah, it just it didn't hit the same. I mean, Spence, you've had an, another week or another two weeks since actually completing it. Has your opinion changed or are you still very much on the 10 out of 10 same as Phil? I think I'm still on a 10 out of 10. Um, 
if I was being nitpicky, I was going for decimals and stuff. It's probably like a 9.8 rounded up. But I'd still say it is a 10. And it deserves to be a 10. I think the story's great. Combat's great. Presentation, like you said, is immense in this game. They didn't really miss with anything. Even those little car chases, which used to be annoying as hell. Great. Really fun now. It takes two seconds. Class. I just It's just a better game than the original two, which were also 10s. So it's quite difficult not to give this the same. But I do agree with you that the story kind of falls short. Oh, well, it wouldn't if the first one wasn't so good. That's the issue. It's not that it falls short because it is a phenomenal story. It's just not as good as what came before it. Yeah, exactly right. I want to make sure that's clear. And that's that's totally understood. I'm not trying to be contrary here. It's It's just a case of, for me, the kind of surprises that came up in that first game just really took me by left field whereas here a lot of the surprises i had were kind of earlier in the story compared to the end and so it kind of went the way i thought it kind of would and played out that way um but yeah i think now guys at this point and we still got alan wake 2 to go still got a jedi survivor hopefully i can get before the end of the year and play that at the moment my game of the year is final fantasy 16 i'm sticking with it i think the highs on that game are something so special and Spidey gave me constant feeling of joy when I played it, and I had a constant smile on my face throughout the entire thing. I loved it. But I didn't have that moment where I'm fully erect, where I'm like literally like No Nut November would be over, right, if I was playing FF16 for the first time. And it, it didn't elicit that in me. And that's why I'm, I'm ranking them on the same level in terms of both nines. But yeah, that's where I am right now. So it's a, it's a little bit, I feel like as if I'm being a bit somber on spider-man when really i'm giving it a nine it's kind of like the horizon talk from before phil where we're like yeah there's issues there's this there's that but still fucking nine out of ten right still like incredible achievement but yeah i i don't think i'm drinking the same kool-aid as uh a lot of the people where they say it's the best game on the console and stuff like that i i definitely not seeing that right so with that somber note and again not a dunk still fucking nine out of ten don't put your fit you Put the pitchfork down. Put that fire out that you're about to firebomb through my house, all right? I still fucking loved it, okay? Just make that clear. With that bombshell, let's move it on to quick news. Quick news. Oh, he do Quickly, quick, 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 quick news. We're at that part of the show which everybody absolutely loves. We go around the internet and pick out the latest and greatest of the PlayStation news and deliver it to you in somewhat of a comedic fashion because we challenge each other to impressions before we read out said news. Normally, we go around, we take turns, we nominate each other to do sounds based around the topic that I choose. And this week, in honour of where we're going tomorrow, it's going to be sounds that you might find in Birmingham. So that's right, guys. I want to hear sounds from Birmingham. Spencer, I'm coming to you first. What are you going to hear on our night out in Birmingham tomorrow? That is such a broad, bloody topic. All right. Ambulance. Police car. Fire engine. It was a police car. I was going to say someone's getting stabbed. Birmingham, mate. Someone's getting stabbed or acid attacked, you know. And that police car is coming. 
Fucking acid, acid attack. attack. Jesus, that's great. The way it goes. Quick news. Lads, ladies, listeners, watchers. As always, I'm here to present you guys with the new games coming to PlayStation Plus. Now, this time, these are our PlayStation Essential games that we get every month. Those three little beauties that come through. So what we have coming, we have one PS5 tile and two PS4s. So not like last time, where I think we had three PS5 Donnies in one month. Crazy. This time, the big game isn't even on PS5. So what we have, as our PS4 slash PS5 game, we have Aliens Fireteam Elite. As a PS4 title, we have Dragon Ball The Breakers, which is, I think, a game you and I tried a while ago, Davey. But also the final game we have come in, and the big one out of the three, Mafia 2 Definitive Edition for the PS4. So, eh, a PS4 month, really. But we get Aliens Fireteam Elite, which I didn't even know had a PS5 version. Lads, after seeing these games, what are your thoughts? Any of them getting on download? Yeah, there's a few here that I'm interested in, right? Now, first off, just to clear the air, Dragon Ball The Breakers... If you remember, Spence, what happened is that I got sent a beta code for it and we went to install it and the beta didn't work for UK consoles. It was some like nonsense. You had to be even America or Japanese account. So we were trying for ages and in the end, I just gave it to my YouTube audience. And I was like, fucking fill your boots. So I have no idea if it's any good or not. All I know is the premise. So it's a it's a multiplayer kind of survival game, kind of like Dead by Daylight where you've got a killer, which is one of the Dragon Ball characters, so in terms of, like, Frieza, Cell, uh, Kid Buu, stuff like that, and you're playing as just a normal person, and you've got to run, you can fly, you can get power-ups, so you can get, like, you can find throughout the map, like, Kamehameha, and you can Kamehameha the villain back, but it's all about just surviving and trying to get away and not get seen. I've heard mixed things, right? Anytime there's a Dragon Ball game, and I'm guilty for this as well, it can be mid as fuck, but the license hard carries it, and it's, it's quite fun. I wouldn't mind checking it out, and now we get it for free as part of PSN. I'll definitely try it. I mean, the big thing is it's got to beat the shoes of, like, My Hero Battle Royale. Because I know we played that for a while, and it was dumb fun, right? But it was actually quite fun. I enjoyed that. We played that for about three hours, and it was decent. After that three hours, I was kind of done with it, and I'd have my fill. But this might be the same thing, and I'm willing to check it out. But for me, the big one here, and the one I've actually had on my wish list for since it was first shown, is Aliens Fireteam Elite. I love a top-down shooter. I fucking love a a top-down shooter, especially a co-op one, and it's set in the Aliens universe. Now, this thing is like split opinion all over the place. So Metacritic have it at 69, IGN I think gave it a 7, Steam have it on a nine, uh, 9 out of 10 by audience score. And for what I've seen, everything I've heard has been overwhelmingly positive from people playing this game. I think, Spence, this is definitely a game that you and me would dive into and really enjoy. And if Phil wanted to come along for the ride, fuck yes, the more the merrier. Let's get in there, let's get our pulse rifles out, let's get our smart guns on, set up our turrets, and just rain hell down on these alien bastards. I'm so up for that. Kill, kill us some bugs, mate. Kill some xenomorphs. Hell yeah, mate. So down for that. Mafia 2, not really bothered. So much to say about the two games. Mafia 2, ah, fuck it. But no, I do agree. I think Dragon Ball I'd be keen to try. I, I'm sure I have played it. But I definitely watched videos at least. 
And Aliens, yeah, it's just the kind of game you and I enjoy. And it might warm us into... Well, Helldivers isn't top-down anymore. So it could be a replacement for Helldivers, even though we're getting Helldivers too. But who knows? Phil, mate, any of these tickle your pickle, mate? I mean... As, as as most of these are for me, unfortunately. I've just gone through and looked at all the Metacritic scores. There's a slight correction on, on what you said there, Davey. Mafia 2 comes in at 56%. Meh. Dragon Ball comes in at 53%. Again, meh. And, and Aliens here, 67% is what I'm seeing um, on the Metacritic for Fireteam Elite, which is a bit of a step up there. There is a little bit of interest there. You're right. I didn't join you on your first sort of run of Helldivers. I've only dipped in sort of recently uh, with you guys, but I can see that being a good Thursday night game, definitely. If I'm about, I would be jumping into this one out of the out of the three because the other two for me are just a bit boring. So a bit of a month for me, unfortunately. But let's see. I'll give Alien to try. Let's see what it hits on a Thursday night. Nice, mate. I'm glad to hear that. I think I do think Aliens will be the perfect. There's the game for us. But I do want to shine some light on Mafia 2. Because I played that game when it first came out. And I loved it. Lent it off my mate in my form. And I lent him my Batman Arkham Asylum. And we both came back with the games. We were like, really good game. He was like, yeah, great game. Both of us. Great experiences. I'm not saying Mafia 2 is on the level of Batman Arkham Asylum. Because it's definitely not. But I had fun with it. And I would be keen to go back to it. But am I going to? No. But it is a good game if you listeners want to check it out. And I would recommend it to you guys if you haven't played it, because it is good. But that's about it, really. It's not, it's not like a Spider-Man or a God of War, is it? But it's fun. Moving on from there, coming around to yourself, Davey. Give us an impression of something we're going to be hearing in Birmingham tomorrow night. No Armani, no Punani. No spray, no lay guy. Yes, the guy in the box, quick yeah. on it. Well done. Quick news. Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes have entered the production readiness stage. Remedy have confirmed. Now, this was all due to their investor meeting that they had. They stated, We have gained clarity on the style and scope of the game, and we have an exceptionally well-organized team working on it. Now, guys, first up, did you ever play Max Payne 1 and 2 back on the PS2 in its heyday? I did not, unfortunately. I haven't got a lot to add to this one. Yeah, I'm actually going to be saying verbatim what phil just said never touched any of them oh wow you guys are in for a treat when these games get re-released and they get remade they are so fucking good like at the time it was the thing that like brought uh like bullet time into video games it was that game and it was something super fucking fun about just flying around corners with bullet time just spraying people out it was great and it was it's a it's a noir so they're, they're told through like comic book pages where there's a guy just, you know, with a fan going and a cigarette lit and he's talking in a really gruff voice. It's that for the game. Excellent. And I think with a modern lick of paint and better controls, because the controls weren't the best at the time, they, these games could really shine. I mean, they're classics for a reason and it's what put Remedy on the map. So I am super, super happy with this. The only thing to note in this, right, and people are getting overly excited is that it's their production readiness stage. They're not even at production. So we, aren't, we ain't seeing this for fucking years. Years. So something to probably look forward to towards the end of the PS5 generation. 
If they somehow crack these out quicker, being remakes and the kind of groundwork's already done, then great. But I wouldn't expect to see this to at least 2025, 2026 at the earliest. So hold your horses, guys. Following up from that, I've also got some news on Control. So Control, as we know, it came to the PlayStation 4 and had a PS5 patch, uh, which kind of made it run better than it did. Now, they've confirmed that Control 2 is expected to remain in the proof-of-concept stage for the next few quarters, a.k.a. we ain't seeing that for fucking time. So, yeah, going to be a long time for that one. But with the release of Alan Wake 2 coming out now from Remedy, it seems, and this being, you know, coming out in, like, high 80s on the Metacritic, coming in, like, an 89, I think, on the last time I saw the Metacritic for it, they're on a bit of a roll right now. You know, Control was well-received. I got the Platinum for Control 1, didn't vibe with it to the same level as everyone else, loved the gameplay for it, story didn't quite work for me. I'm excited by Control 2 to see what they've done now with the difference between Alan Wake 1 and Alan Wake 2 from what I'm seeing online, have not played them yet. Seeing that, I think they could really level up Control and, get it, and just get it really fucking cool. And the thing is, with those kind of powers, you can just do whatever you want. You can just really go wild with it. So I'll be looking forward to seeing where this builds. But again, you're probably talking 2027 before we're seeing that. So hang fire, guys. At least we know it's being shopped around and the idea is being worked on at least. So that's quite nice to be able to have that confirmation. It's not like a case that they'll be asked for forever. Are you ever going to do another control? Are you ever going to do one? Is it ever coming back? They like they've gotten ahead of it. They're like, yes, miles away. And at least then it's like, right, okay, cool. No point in asking about it for a few years. Does any of this news with with Max Payne and for control excite any of you guys? Um, I mean, I'm keen to try out Max Payne. I'm happy about that. Um, just because those are two great games that I missed. Never played them. I did watch a few speedruns of Max Payne, so I get the gist of it. I've seen the bullet time and everything, and it's near flawless in that game as well. But um, I'd be keen to give it the go. Control 2. I played like four hours of Control, and it was so boring. I really, really disliked Control. It was, I couldn't put myself through it. And I've played a lot of not good games. But Control, it was, it felt like a good game. It felt fine. It was just boring. I just didn't really feel any pleasure whilst playing it at all in any sense. So am I excited for Control 2 when that comes out on the PS7? Nah, I don't give a fucking shit. But I am excited to see what Remedy do in the future. Ended on a positive there, which is quite nice. What about yourself, Mr. Hoy? I don't think you've played many or any of Remedy's games, I don't think. Do these franchises returning and with a sequel to Control any interest at all from your camp? I mean, with Max Payne, it's, it's a straight-up no, because I've, I've never really been a fan of the series, and to jump in now and sort of go back to it, I don't think is, is the right timing for me, really. Um, but Control, there was an element of interest when this game came out, but as you guys said, the story, the game itself, just, just really wasn't that gripping for many. Um, but it's a very creative space, you know. There's a lot people can do with the powers of Control, and I really think now, going back for a second visit with Remedy, and sort of, you know, the time they've had away from the game, they could do something special here. So I think it's one to keep an eye on, but it's not anything for me that i'm going to say day one or anything just here i'm not putting my neck on the line 
with this one. I just think it's something that I'll, I'll keep an eye on and see where it goes. Wise choice. Well, let's pass it over to you. That ends my bit of quick news. Phil, lay on me something you'd hear in Birmingham. <laughs> drinking, drinking the pints. That's right, drinking the pints. We'll be drinking many pints when we're in Birmingham. Correct, Davy. Quick news. So I've got a bit of a two-for-one deal here, a bit of a bog-off here. You buy one, you get one free. And this is all about Capcom. So Capcom have announced a successor to the RE engine, and it's in the works, codenamed REX Engine. Ooh, creative, right? And there's a 23-minute video up on the Capcom YouTube with the Capcom R&D goes through in explicit details for the future. Definitely check that one out, listeners. Now, the RE engine, it's the next generation. And Capcom, they really like putting numbers into words. And their tagline, that X, is it a 10? Who knows? Maybe that's a little hint to the future when they hope to be using this new engine. But here we go with the second lot of Capcom news. They've got an unannounced major title launching in March 2024. That's right, a report from VG247 has revealed that Capcom is planning to release a major title next year. But what could it be? We know there's plans for a Phoenix Wright uh, trilogy coming out in January, don't we? In 2024, and we've just had Street Fighter VI. So what are they up to? Could it be Mega Man? Could it be Dead Rising? Monster Hunter? They're all big IPs. We hopefully would see a return with those ones. But for me personally, if I got the choice, let's revisit Lost Planet. Now I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Give me your hopes and dreams for this new unannounced title coming in March 2024. Spence, hit me first. What are you saying with Capcom? Where do you want to go? Okay, so what I reckon it is, I think they forgot that they announced Pragmata and now they're announcing it again. But <laughs> what I actually think it is and what I, in my heart, want it to be is a Marvel game. Oh, That's what I'd like. It's oh. the fighting game Renaissance. If they bring a new Marvel and it's not a Marvel Infinite dog shit, then that's, oh, I'd be quite keen. And that would be, it's a different type of fire. So that's a game you can kind of play along with Street Fighter 6 as well. Oh my God, dude, that would be so hype. My, my mind hadn't even gone to that place when I tell you what, what I'm thinking. But Jesus Christ, I mean, how good would that be? And Marvel, I think they've learned now, you know, they, they've done a couple of games which have been, I wouldn't even say duds, but they just didn't hit the mark, right, in terms of, uh, the Avengers game and Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, we, me and Phil, we fucking adore Guardians of the Galaxy, but it didn't sell well, right? It just didn't sell well. And I think now they've realized that shoehorning stuff in, like the last Marvel Infinite that they did, they were mandated by Marvel that they could only use X amount of characters. They could only use the, the Infinity Saga characters. And it fucked them over. You know, like no X-Men in the Marvel game is just wild. The series started with Street Fighter versus X-Men. Right, like it's insane that they decided that they weren't going to do that. I think now they've kind of learnt those lessons, and a new Marvel game would slap tits. You'd get everyone in; it would look sexy as hell. And Capcom, at the moment, with their fighting games, just aren't missing. Street Fighter Six, easily the best fighter of the year. 
don't think anyone would contend differently with that. They've learned the lessons, man. This is the time. Marvel would be fucking sick, Spence. I'm so down for that. Great, great show. And what are you throwing into the mix, Davey? So for me, I'm thinking it's Monster Hunter. I really think it is. It's the time for it. You know, the last one was a couple of years ago. Sure, they've had like Switch ones and they've had like little baby ones. But it's time for the next Monster Hunter world. And I know you're rolling your eyes, Spence. You think, fucking Monster Hunter. But it sells shitloads. We are definitely in the minority here for Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter World was their biggest release they've ever had at Capcom. It's about time they do a next-gen version of that and just get it out there. Just print that bank. That's what I'm thinking it is. It's not something I ideally want. You know, personally, if it was up to me, time to bring back Dino Crisis, baby. Time to get that going. Or, if not that, Mega Man has just been fucking forgotten about for so long. And sure, he gets like little games come out, he gets little things. Time to just really go in with a big Mega Man release. Just really big, like high budget one. You don't have to really keep on trying to retrofit them to look like the older games from the NES and the snares and stuff. Just really put the budget in and make a really good. Mega Man game. That's what I'd love. But if I was a better man, I'd put it on Monster Hunter. You guys have got it all wrong. As I said, it's gonna be Lost Planet. And we're gonna get Lost Planet 4. I think this is the big IP that they're talking about. I mean, we've had three major games from the Lost Planet series, and I loved every single one of them. It's just a brilliant time playing co-op in the earlier games, swinging around on those ropes, a little bit of third-person shooter action. I think this is what PlayStation is screaming out for at the moment, because we have a serious lack of this genre at the moment outside, I suppose, the bigger names. And Lost Planet could fill that gap so they've seen an area there and they've thought, do you know what? Let's bring that loved IP back. And guys, if you haven't heard of it, definitely Google it because it's a class game. Absolutely love Lost Planet. <laughs> Not many people have heard of it, have they really? I remember you absolutely sweating that. I remember we went to a conference years ago and I think it was around the time that Lost Planet 3 was out and you queued for ages to go play that. And I played it as well and I thought, oh, this was all right. I remember you coming out of it and being like, fuck, it's so good. So you just don't understand it yet, Dave. You're so good. That was sick. And it was a co-op, wasn't it? So you could just play it together. And for some reason, we never played it together. I don't know why we never did that. Probably just too much vodka and too much uh, the game that can't be mentioned five, probably. But hell, if they did a Lost Planet like four or whatever it is. Hey, I'll check it out. I'll give it a go with you, mate. I'll explore those icy tundras with you. Well, thank you very much, mate. And we haven't had one since 2013, so I think it's about time now, isn't it, Capcom? About time to bring back Lost Planet. But anyway, my hopes and dreams, I'm putting them out there. Let's move this on. Spence, give me something that you might find out in Birmingham on a night out. He's dishing up Coke. He's doing a line. He's going to do a line. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing a line, yeah. Jeez, I haven't got a chance for this one. That's not, that's not what it's called. <sighs> Sniffing cocaine. Taking a hit. <laughs> I'll give it to sniffing cocaine. It's having a key. Oh, a key. There's two oh, yeah. Ways. I'm so out of touch yeah. with not this. That I, not that I know, but there's two methods. One is, you know, you lay it out on a table, you get a straw, and that's a line. 
And then there's one where you just dip your key in a bag and have a, and that's a key. But wow. I only know that from media and works of fiction. Of <laughs> course. Of course. Of course. Breaking news. Modern Warfare 2 maps will be included in Modern Warfare 3 throughout post-launch seasons. What a shock. The first set will be four maps, including Form 18, Mercado Las Almas, and Shoot House in a dedicated playlist. However, Modern Warfare 2 maps will not count towards the over 12 6v6 maps planned in live seasons. So we're getting last year's Call of Duty maps. Just coming back to this game that also is only using maps, which it already existed. So, again, like what we said last time when we talked about this game, where it just doesn't feel new. Ah, they're just using some more assets as well. Fuck it, let's do no new content. Well done, Activision. Yes, love this. What do you reckon about this, Davey? I see you kind of are probably holding your breath, I think. You're getting red. You're angry. Oh, I am a bit, mate, because it's, it's not the map that I want. I like Hydroelectric. I absolutely smoke on that map. I do really well on it. Nobody seems to like that map, and I fucking adore it. And that's not the map we're getting. We're getting the maps that I'm generally okay on. And it, sure, it'd be nice to go into that with like the Modern Warfare 3 guns and have really good map knowledge, because we sweated that game. So you'd just be able to dive in. But like you said, I'm already finding it difficult adapting to this COD because it feels like as if I've been playing it non-stop now for an entire year. There's like no real difference. Do I need the maps that I've just sweated for an entire fucking year back again? No. And you know they're not going to look any different. I've done no effort to it at all. So it would just be exactly the same. At first, when I heard this news, my mind was racing in terms of all some of the maps I adore. Coming back, this is only a good thing, an extra couple of maps in. But the more time I've had to sit with this, the more annoyed I am by it. Just really annoyed by it. Because it's just not what I want. And get fucked. Like, this game's fucking pissing me off. It's pissing me off. And it's not even out. In fact, we could preload this game now and play the campaign if we wanted to, Spence. Have you got it on preload? <laughs> nah. Nah, nah, nor me. Fuck nah. it. Nah. Mate, agree everything is wild. I can't believe it. Phil, mate, what do you think about this? Obviously, I'm not sure if you are joining us on Modern Warfare 3 just yet, but how do you feel about them reusing all the same assets that have already existed for the last 10 years? What are your thoughts on all this, mate? I'm just confused who this is actually for. Now, coming off the back of Davy's reaction to this news, I'm still, I'm just questioning it. Who, who, who wants these maps back again? Because they're not like old school maps that people love. They're not the in your top 10 maps of all time. And they're bringing them back and people are like a bit meh about it. I, I see no one on Twitter, you know, losing their mind about these maps coming back. So unfortunately, I just think it's a bit of a filler at the moment. Just to, just to pad out the new Modern Warfare 3. They're just giving you a few more things that are going on that actually no one's asking for at the moment. So yeah, a bit non non-interesting for me on this one i'm sorry don't be sorry mate it's activision needs to be sorry just one new map what's the worst effort one new map or one new gun there's no new guns it's ridiculous but aside from that little shit show a bit more bad news specifically for you davy 
Modern Warfare 3 on the PlayStation 5 doesn't have a Platinum Trophy. The Trophy list is going to count as a DLC list on Modern Warfare 2. And the only way for you to Platinum this game is to play the PS4 version, because that is a standalone list. Now, Phil, I think you and I just mute our mics for a minute and just let Davey <laughs> do what he needs to do. Go on, mate. Have at it, mate. Go for it. What the fuck are they thinking? Like, what the fuck? We've known for a while that this was supposed to be DLC content for Modern Warfare 2. That was a rumor, like, fucking a year ago, that this was the plan. And they come out, they're like, no, it's a fully-fledged card coming out. It's going to be great. You're going to fucking love it. And being the mugs that we were, because we were so far up Modern Warfare 2's ass, we were like, yeah, Bobby Kotick, he's onto something. He's fucking got the formula figured out, boys. He's fucking done it. Here we go. Everyone's preloading the game thinking, oh, nice. I'll earn a nice little cheeky platinum before we, you know, delve the next fucking year of my life away in the multiplayer and then find out you can't even fucking get a platinum for it. Like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Who does this? Like, who, who fucking does this? I tell you who does this. Activision, when they're cocky as fuck. They had record-breaking sales for Modern Warfare 2. It did really, really well. The community were pissed off as they were because no one was fucking listening to them. And then they think, yeah, we'll listen to you now, but fuck you as well. Here we go. No fucking play. It's like, it's the laziest fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know how this even happens, other than the fact that if they do it this way, I don't know if they have to go through the research process. You know, like when you, you put a game out normally and you've got to get it certified, it's got to go through all the checks, all the bugs and all that shit. I don't know if DLC goes through the same level. I honestly, I don't know if it does. I got a feeling it doesn't. And if that's the case, it's weird because then why is the PS4 version got its own standalone list? Like, how does that even fucking work? So now I've got a choice on my hands. I was going to play the campaign at some point this year anyway, right? I really enjoy COD campaigns. They're dumb fun that you just sit back six hours or so and you move on. And they're always entertaining, or they have been ever since Modern Warfare 2019, right? I was actually looking forward to this. I really was actually looking forward to it. And now, I'm thinking I've got a choice between either download the PS4 version, just for the Platinum, which then I'll be playing on a shit version that looks probably like arse, and will play like shit, with no fucking nice triggers or any of that stuff, I could do that just for the trophies, or I could just say, do you know what? Fuck this. And just right now, my brain is at fuck this level in terms of I just can't be fucking asked. And that's the. It just. It just beggars belief how someone could shit the bed so badly to be at the point where they literally. The community's already kind of on the fence about this. We're already pretty negative. And then to fuck over trophy hunters as well is just something else. I've, I have not seen something so stupid in such a long time. In such a long time. And it's pissed me off. Pissed me off! Two fucking news stories in one fucking quick news for COD that are both fucking bad news bears. Fuck off, man. Fuck off. Phil, mate, after that little tangent that we just had to endure, what are your thoughts on this, mate? 
do you have any any thoughts on it at all I mean, what else is there to say? It sounds absolutely ridiculous, doesn't it? But surely this type of thing just gets patched in later, right? They're just reacting off the news that's happening right now as opposed to, you know, they've just delayed it for X, Y, and Z reasons. But if this is true and this is the way it stands for the future of this game, it really just spoils the game for a lot of people. Because some people would just go in for certain sections of content within this game. And for people like Davey, it just spoils it. It really does. It just it just takes that shine away from an already muddy turd, which I think that's that's the way this game is turning out to be. Mate, completely agree. I do think I have an explanation for it, but I am making it up, so I might be wrong. What I think is obviously this game was supposed to be DLC, and I reckon they'd already worked on this game booting through the Modern Warfare 2 launcher on PS5. And I think the launcher is tied to trophies. That's where it all stems from. So I think we're just booting up Modern Warfare 2 every time and clicking MW3 in there, and they're just going to change the art that comes up when you boot the game to say Modern Warfare 3. So we're just booting up Modern Warfare 2, same as we have been all year. And that's why it's a DLC list, whereas I imagine they hadn't done that for PS4 version yet, so it was worth the effort of giving it its own launcher. But I'm speculating. I could be wrong. But that's what I think has probably happened. But I don't know about game development. Why just make it so fucking muddy? Why? Like, it, I, just, I just honestly, I can't understand it. And the more time I spend thinking about it, the angrier I become. So I think we just fucking move it on. Because I'm pissed off. I'm seething right now. Fucking seething. All right. With Davey ending my segment there, <laughs> let's move it around. To yourself, Davey. I want you to keep that anger. Use it. <laughs> Use it to fuel this impression that you're about to do. Okay. Lay it on us, mate. Give us what we're hearing tomorrow night in Brum. Talking when you're pissed up. Yeah. Is that you? I was going to say, is that going to be you tomorrow? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well done. All straight on it. He's heard that too many times. See, that's what it is. Quick news. One to one. One to one, that. (laughs) Perfect, wasn't it? Quick news. Metal Gear Solid. I'm not going to be pissed off anymore, baby. Metal Gear Solid Collection is out. The Master Collection. I've got it. I've installed the games, haven't started them yet. I know people are pissed off about the ports. I'm not. I don't give a fuck. It could run at 30 frames like it does for Metal Gear Solid 1. I don't care. I'm just happy to have the game on PS5. Right? That's my stance on it. Anywho, there's a trailer that's been released. And it's for the Metal Gear Solid Collection. And it has our boy, Solid Snake himself, David Hater, And he's going through there talking about key moments that happen across the three Metal Gear Solid games. And then he says, this is only the beginning. Signaling a couple of things here. Now, guys, me and the wider Metal Gear Solid community are losing our fucking minds over this. Speculation has gone absolutely nuts about what this could potentially mean. Now, Phil, as a fellow Metal Gear Solid fan, were you excited about this is only the beginning? Well, I was excited about the trailer. I was excited about David Hater being in it and uttering those words in Solid Snake's, you know, accent and, and the way you would deliver those lines. But I'm s- speculative on this. I, I, I'm a bit almost... I just feel like you're getting game one, two, and three 
so it is the beginning. I don't really feel like he, he's trying to link anything here. I think he's just being, you know... Literal. Literal with it, yeah. He's literally just saying, this is only the beginning, because this is only the beginning of the games. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be so sad. That'd be so sad if that's all he means. <laughs> oh. I know. I'm sorry to uh, dampen the mood a little bit there, but but that's what I took away from it, but... I don't know, Spence. Have you got any views on this one? I know you're a massive Metal Gear Solid fan. <laughs> well, huge, yeah, mate. He erupted when I heard. I haven't even seen the trailer, boys. I had no idea. But the fact he's returning, lovely. But I do agree with you, Phil. I do think it's literal. I think he's just like, yeah, this is volume one. And then, you know, now it's, he's doing this. Oh. That's fine. Great. But yeah, oh, you... it's just it's just the beginning. What what is it? It's the beginning, is it not? Oh, guys, don't fucking do this to me. I'm already depressed enough with the Activision news. You're fucking killing me, yeah. You're killing me off. I am going to try and bring back the hype train. I reckon what this is signalling is that obviously we're going to have a Metal Gear Solid Mass Collection Volume Two, pretty much confirmed really at this point. Where we'll be able to see Metal Gear Solid Four returning to PlayStation and two modern consoles it hasn't been anywhere since its ps3 release so that would be amazing to see that go out for the xbox people for us on the playstation 5 to be able to experience that fucking wonderful game again but for me what this is telling me is that konami has plans to to bring the series back from the dead to be able to take it to new places and instead of going for the Kiefer sutherland bullshit they did in melky soy 5 david hit us back on board baby oh that's sick could it be that? Could it be like a new Metal Gear game? Could it be MGS1 being remade, which was the rumor for ages, which is my fucking dream? Who knows? But my hype train is through the fucking roof, boys. I am brimming with anticipation. I cannot wait. I cannot fucking wait to see where this goes. I genuinely think, though, it's, it's quite smart in the way they have delivered it, saying it's only the beginning, because it brings that speculation into it, doesn't it, that possibly there could be future games, and it builds the hype for everybody, and ultimately it's a clever bit of marketing because it gets more people looking at this game and, and buying it for the third or fourth time, right? So I think people need to vote, for their, vote with their wallets here if they do want a continuation of this IP. Because unless this sells well, we won't be getting a new Metal Gear Solid game. No, I mean, the big proof in the pudding is going to be when Delta releases, right? And we get MGS3 remake. And if that, for some reason, doesn't hit, it's going to be a bit ropey for the future of MGS, right? Especially when it comes to, like, remakes or anything like that. But I'm hoping with Konami now, the way they've restructured and they've refocused on games, 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 and that's all they're talking about, and, they, and they're kind of showing that through Silent Hill and what they the amount of content they're going to be supposedly putting out over the next couple of years for that IP. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is just the start of it now. And we're going to start seeing shitloads of Metal Gear. And will it, I suppose the big question would be, whenever they do decide to make a new Metal Gear, is how do you do that without Kojima? How the fuck can you make that without Kojima? I have no idea. The games are nuts. Absolutely insane, actually. Like, Spence, you've only played MGS1 so far. When we delve into Metal Gear Solid 2 and we cover that for a spoiler cast from the past at some point, I honestly don't know how you're going to cope with that because that is just wild. When they talk about the La Le Lu Le Lo and the Patriots and all this, I think you're going to be fucking like, what 
what is going on? And that's the reaction we all had at the time. But we've had like 15 years to simmer with it. Whereas you'll be coming straight from that to giving it a 6 out of 10 again. And at that point, I think I might just have to come around and just (laughs) force feed it into you like a clockwork orange torture scene until you understand the la-le-lu-le-lo. But we got a while till then. So let's pass this back around. Phil, give us our last piece of quick news. Now, I'm sorry, Spence, because I think it's only Davy that will get this one. But here goes. Oh, one, two, one. Ba, I'm ba, from Birmingham. the O. I'm from the one. I'm from the two. I'm from the one. <laughs> ba, ba, Birmingham, that's where I'm from. Ba, ba, Birmingham, that's where I'm from. It's the grime soundtrack that we uh, grew up on. There we on go. But do, do, you, do you know who sung that song or rapped that song or brought that song or produced that song? don't know which one he did, but... I've got no. the name in front of me. Here's your opportunity, Spence. Gigs? I don't know. <laughs> Gigs. Okay, oh, Davia, I'm going to award you the point based on that. It was Triller. So uh, that was the 0121 by Triller. Definitely look that up, guys, if you ever do drive into Birmingham, because that is the sound of the summer or the sound of the winter or wherever we're at at the moment, because we're going to Birmingham tomorrow and we're going 0121, baby. Quick news. Now, guys, listen up. The pre-order for the Pulse Explorer wireless earbuds and the Pulse Elite wireless headsets, God, they're a mouthful. They go live on November 9th at 10 a.m. local time, and that's available from direct.playstation.com and select retailers. Some good and some bad. You're just going to have to take your pick. The Explorer Wireless Earbuds, they're coming in at $199.99 and they come out December 6th, 2023. So you'll get them before Christmas. Now, there is a sour note to this. The Pulse Elite headsets is $129.99 and you're saying, Phil, where's the problem there? That's an affordable headset. That's what I've been looking forward to. They look absolutely beautiful. But here's the kicker, kids. It comes out February 21st, 2024. So you're going to have to wait another two months till you can hear those sweet, sweet sounds on your new Pulse Elite headsets. Now, passing it over to you guys. Are you pre-ordering either of these headsets? Bro, I'll take it right away. I'm pre-ordering both, mate. Easy. I'm so keen for that Elite headset just because my PlayStation headset at the moment has been on its way out since I've had it. Still works fine, but it's just a bit ratty now. All the cloth's falling off and stuff is minging, so I need a replacement anyway, and I may as well just get the upgrade. And those little earbuds look so sick. I actually can't wait for them. And my earpods, which I use now, they're an Apple product that I'm using with an Android phone. The compatibility isn't perfect. So I'd just like a nice new pair of earphones anyway as well. So it's just a perfect time. I'm definitely pre-ordering both. Easy. Spencer is a fully paid up member of the PlayStation Nation. How about yourself, Davey? Are you going to be dropping what is £330 on two sets of headphones? Fuck no. Absolutely not. Not both. The, the thing I want, right, is I want the wireless earbuds. I've said this from the off desperate forum. The only issue is December 199 I don't know. I got like expensive month leading up to that. Like, literally, and this isn't some kind of weird flex, literally every single weekend now, up until now and the 15th of December, I'm on the piss. Just staff events, like, every single weekend. And they're expensive, right? 
Like, I'm not going to be, like, going in there and just having, I'll have two or three pints. No. As soon as I get the fucking taste, I'm on. I'm on. And I can't stumble home with a five-year-old there because I wake up the next day and I'm being jumped up at, like, 6.45 to get up and play Minecraft. I can't do it. I'm a 34-year-old man. I've got to stay in a hotel away from that environment and come back when I'm at least semi-conscious. All adds up. So I really want them. I'm hoping, and what I'm praying for, is that they're not going to sell out. Because then when I get paid on the 20th of December, and I've done all my Christmas shopping, all the alcohol is out of my system, and I do not want to touch another fucking drink for like six months, then I can pick one up. So I will have one before the end of the year, but I'm not putting down the hard cash to pre-order right now. Don't know about yourself, though, Mr. Hoy. Are any of these tickling your fancy? Well, those earbuds, they are relatively expensive, as you've mentioned, at the almost £200 mark, but they are a perfect Christmas present for anyone out there listening that wants to treat us on the podcast. But I don't think that's where my interest lies. It's more with the Elite headsets, and I was quite gutted, actually, because, you know, Christmas, New Year's, there's lots of time in between partying where you can play a lot of PlayStation and play online. And I was hoping to upgrade my semi-useless now headset that I've been using on the PlayStation for a nice shiny new Pulse Elite headset, but I won't be able to do that until February, unfortunately. So, oh well, I'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I'm definitely going to be putting in the pre-order because I don't want them to sell out and not get them when it comes to February. But that rounds up our quick news for today. So Davey, you have given us a fabulous impression of no spray, no lay, and you've been talking while you've been drunk. Spencer, you have given us a police car and you snorted a key of coke. Now these are no reflections on the people that did these impressions, just to let you know, listener. I gave you drinking a beer and then I gave you Trillers 0121. Now, the score's on the board. Davey, you've won the round. You got three right. Spencer, this time round, we've drawn. So that's a shot each this time round. And that brings us on to the end of quick news. And we're going to move on to our first rumour of tonight. Kick it! Wake up with a rumour and you don't want to go. You ask if it's confirmed, and they still say no. That is right. You have made it to the rumours. And lads, so have we. What a way we've come this episode. Quite quick, I think. So, we actually have a few rumours to talk about today. But I will be giving you boys the first one. Button's off, by the way. Otherwise, we're getting battered. So the button is off. Button. Resident Evil 9 reportedly has the biggest budget and longest development time of any Resident Evil game to date. And it is also said to be the closing chapter to the current arc of the series and will take the series in new directions. Now, it's quite a bit there because they're clearly putting a lot of work into this game and it's going to finalise the story that we're currently a part of. What does this mean to you boys, Davey specifically, seeing as you are our Resident Evil expert on the show? What does this lead you to believe? Hmm. 
biggest budget and longest development time. Now, I read a, I read up on this, and apparently this game's been in development since seven. Right? Which is wild to think of, if that's the case. I don't know. Now, this is obviously a rumor, right? So take all this with a pinch of salt. This originally came from Dusk Golem, who has had some credible leaks in the past. Not saying he's got a 100% hit rate or anything like that, but there are some things with this, right? Closing chapter to the current arc of the series. That's what's kind of getting me at the moment, because I feel like as if Village closed off the E for Winter's arc pretty well. Now, I mean, you could go into to Resident Evil 9 with it being Rose and it being Rose's story. But personally, I don't know if I really care because that last DLC was shit. It really wasn't very good. I don't really know if I want to see like 80-year-old Chris. And, you know, we've had confirmation now that Jill just doesn't age from Death Island, right? So maybe it's a chance to get young Jill and an old whippersnapper Chris running about the place. Maybe. I don't know. If it, if it was up to me, what I'd want is I'd want it to go and just be either a Jill-centric story or like a Rebecca Chambers-centric story. And it just go off and we just start forming a new arc. And they could just say, yeah, it's Resident Evil 9, but it's set around the same time as Resident Evil 4 or whatever. I don't think anyone cares. I'm a fucking Metal Gear Solid fan. That timeline's moving all over the place. It's fluid as hell. I wouldn't bat an eyelid at that. So I, I kind of believe certain parts of this, right? I believe that this could well be the biggest budget and longest development time of any RE. Especially if they are halfway through development... And then they decide that they're working on a new engine. And they then pivot then to be able to work on that. And it could well be, because Resident Evil generally is made by two separate studios. And you've got like the main team who just did Resident Evil 4 Remake. And then the other team who did Resident Evil 3 Remake, right? And generally those are like the two major teams. But there is a third team as well that's in the mix. Um, and, they, and they've done some of the numbered entries, right? <clears throat> now... I could see it being a case this was storyboarded and maybe like in the production stage for a long time while they're working on the other projects. And that could be why it's had the longest development time. Budget would be a case if they switched over to new engine. So it, especially if it was like halfway through project or something like that, that balloons costs like astronomically. And if you think that whoever this team are who are working on the next game that's coming out, and if it's going to be on this new Rex engine, they've got to develop a lot of the tools from scratch. So it's going to take ages. It's going to be expensive. They And to be fair, the RE engine is starting to show its age. Here looks dog shit on the RE engine, and it doesn't do ray tracing at all. Like the ray tracing implementation has been dog shit the last couple of years. So I believe that part of it. I don't know if I believe that it's the closing chapter to the current arc because I feel like Village did that really, really well. So that, that's where I'm coming down on this. I can believe it. I can believe parts, but not all. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I think quite an informed opinion there. I respect that. Phil, mate, what are your thoughts? Are you along the same lines as Davey? Reading this, it just fills me with confidence, actually. So the biggest budget and the longest development time of any Resident Evil game to date. 
And we can say Resident Evil without taking a shot. Whew! Now, this is what I'd expect. Of course, it's going to have the biggest budget, the longest development time. If you think about their recent successes with the remakes of the games, they've made their bank. They know we're hungry for more Resident Evil. And they're going to give it to us in a big way. Now, they're teasing us a little bit because they're saying current arc. Now, is the current arc Ethan Winters? Or is the current arc everything we've seen so far? Now, I'm like Davy. I don't want to see any more rows. I don't want to go down the route that the movies did. We've given them bloody superpowers and all that stuff. That's a no for me. I've had enough with Rose with that DLC. Bin her off. Don't want to see any more of her unless they're going to do something special with it. And as much as I'd like to see more Rebecca, especially after watching Vendetta, I think it's going to be based around Leon. I really do. He's the biggest character. He's the most popular character. He's the main character in Resident Evil, in my books. And I think, unfortunately, guys, this is where we'll see Leon die in this game. We haven't seen him since 6, I think, is the last time we've seen him, apart from the movies. I don't know if they're fully canon. He wasn't in 7, he wasn't in 8, and I want to see what he's been up to during that time. Of course, we've seen Chris. He's dipped in and out. But I think it's an obvious one, especially off the success of Resident Evil 4, to go in hard here with Leon and end with him dying, and that would finish our arc with the current set of characters that we have for Resident Evil. And then when we get to 10, it's brand new, completely brand new. It's almost like Marvel wiping the slate clean and starting again. This is what we'll get with Resident Evil. Wow, that's a lot. And I tell you what, I don't disagree with you. I actually don't. I don't think it's a Leon game. I won't say it's a Leon game, but I think you might be right in that we're about to lose some loved characters just because, like we said, Chris is like 80. Chris is going to be going soon, especially if he's still going out on missions. Fellow needs glasses now. Bless him. He's got a shaky hand with his wild. And I think all those characters need to have aged. So I think this could be, like you're saying, it's not necessarily closing the Winter's arc, but closing the arc we have, unless, like you said, Davey, where they start just zipping the timeline freaking wherever it wants to go. But <clears throat> I think this is the end of the Winter's arc. And I think you're going to be... Well, I'd like it to maybe be Rose as the villain and you play as whoever. That'd be quite cool. She's probably powerful enough to do it. So that'd be quite sick. But I didn't play Shadows of Rose. So I'm not too sure what she could do. But that's what I'd like to see. The fact that it's the biggest budget and longest development time, completely believe. 100% believe it. Because, I mean, how long have they been working on this REX engine? We don't even know. They, this might have been planned for ages. 100% I believe that. And I think that's going to st stay a constant where each game is going to be like this, where it's bigger and better than the last. But, yeah, kind of agreeing with both of you. Definitely agreeing with the budget and time. But the actual plot of what the game could be, it's a bit up in the air, isn't it? I mean, just to just to jump in here to piggyback on what both of you guys have said, the only thing right about the budget, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a good thing. I've just Googled this now just to double check myself. I knew it was a big jump. I didn't know how big. The jump, right, RE5 cost $19 million to make. RE6 cost $100 million to make. 
100 million. Like, fucking insane. Yeah, proper Dr. Evil moment. 100 million dollars! And it was shit! It was gash, right? Like, no one was happy about it when it came out. Like, a lot of people now are talking back, and they're like, RE6 is great. My YouTube comments are like, 90% people defending RE6, like, as if it's the best fucking thing. No, that's because you were fucking young enough to play it as your first RE, and you thought it was fucking great. No, it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. We were only joking on the last fucking video we put out on my channel about how many vehicles Leon crashes in one game. It was like every single vehicle known to man, he crashes. He probably crashed a fucking forklift truck in the background that we didn't see. Wild. So I don't think the budget necessarily always, like, translates to quality. It definitely doesn't. So I wouldn't really take too much stock in that as being, like, a, a moment of success. You'd hope that it would be a case that it's put in the right places. But it's not necessarily a degree of quality, right? That's just something to say. In terms of them killing off the Resident Evil characters and wiping the slate clean, I think that'd be a fucking huge mistake. Resident Evil, like, for as much as it's a horror franchise, it's like Uncharted in that no one dies. Literally no one dies from the core cast, ever. Like, think about it. Any Resident Evil game you can think of, they get out. The people that die are the people that go alongside you or the characters that are introduced in that game. I'm tr I'm, th I'm literally I'm thinking through the entire franchise now. No one has died yet from the core. Even Barry's fine. Literally, no one dies. Just going off your your budget claims there, Davy. That money doesn't always equal quality. I've just been doing a little googling, and let's look at Spider Man Two. Two hundred and ten million pounds. Let's look at God of War Ragnarok, £200 million. Let's look at The Last of Us 2, £220 million. Forbidden West, £212 million. It takes a lot of money now to build something that will impress on the PS5. It needs to be at a certain level, and this is what we're expecting when we say AAA. We might even add another A on for these types of games because they live within our nines and our tens when we're rating them. And their budgets are huge and they're huge for a reason because we expect such quality. Now, hearing that they're going to be putting a big budget into this, it doesn't remind me of the RE6 that you've gone through there, Davey. It just fills me with confidence because that's what they need to do, in my opinion. If they started to cheap out at this point, I'd be like, ah, well, let's have another revelations from you rather than let's have Resident Evil 9. I get that. And that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I mean the cost this generation to be able to make games is nuts. And especially if they if they are moving on to a new engine, as we said, that is going to inflate the cost. So it all makes sense, right? And you'd expect it to kind of get bigger and better. The only thing is you've got to remember that with Resident Evil, there is an upper limit. It is a survival horror, or it should be a survival horror game. So, you know, if they sell 20 million... They've done fucking amazing numbers, right? They don't. They can't be like Rockstar with GTA 6. And they're like, yeah, we spent like 500 million or a billion on this. And they know they're going to make that back because it doesn't matter because they're going to sell like 80 odd million units. Resi's never going to hit that, like ever. It's always going to be like capped at a certain amount. So 
that's the only that's the only thing. I mean, like, and for as many examples of good development costs that, that cost a lot, you've got just as much on the other side. Cyberpunk four hundred million. You know, it's like it's not always a guarantee, and and that's even though I'm being a bit more on the dubious side, I think your positive stance is probably the more likely one because Capcom just haven't been missing when it comes to the series for, well, fucking since RE6. You're the biggest advocate I know for Resident Evil. You love it. You've built a whole YouTube community around this video game. And you're telling me now that your confidence isn't at an all-time high for where Capcom is going with these games. And RE4, the most popular of all time, it only just came out as the best horror game of all time from IGN. It's the most popular horror game of all time. And you're saying that Resident Evil as an IP now has a cap. With the amount of movies that come out, the Netflix series, is, the CGI stuff that we're watching at the moment, you're saying survival horror is still dragging Resident Evil down? I'm not sure I fully agree with that. Now, I haven't got the analytics here. I haven't got the, the stats and the, the profits in front of me. But the way I'm seeing it, it's just getting bigger and better every single time. Now, maybe not the movies, but the games, for sure. I think you're definitely onto something in terms of like Capcom's quality control. They've been really knocking out of the park. And, you, you know, you think what it was like when you move from like the original trilogy in Code Veronica and they went into four, they went into five, they went into six. And it was kind of like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like every time it was like, oh, I wish they'd done it. I wish they'd done that. Whereas since seven, you and me in particular, Phil, because we've been following it for that long, have been like, wow, I love, the, I love what they've done here. I love the way they've done this. I love the way they've done that. And they've kind of doubled down into the horror aspect of it, which brings back all the old school fans and and then will capture new ones, right? And especially in this age of streaming and things like that, you know, you get all these kind of bigger content creators who like kind of built their fan bases on horror and stuff and they're able to market it. But I think even though it's like a really recognizable brand, right? And they probably make shitloads more in merchandise than they ever do in game sales for Resident Evil. It ain't, it ain't a COD. It ain't a FIFA. It's it's not, it's not, and even though it's the biggest one, it's the biggest dick in the survival horror like whole market. Resi would never think about competing with like a FIFA or a COD, or it would never release around there because it knows it would get washed. And you know, it's not even Capcom's biggest IP. That's Monster Hunter. So it's not. It ain't there. Like as much as it's gaining in popularity. If it ships 25 mil, that's fucking monumental, right? That's huge. But a lot of these other games, like COD ships more than 25 mil every single year. You know, FIFA ships more than that every single year. GTA, whenever it decides to release, will be like 90 to 100 mil units, you know? So there's got to be a limit somewhere for it where the budget cannot sustain the amount of games. And I always think about like, EA, when they were touting off Dead Space back in the day, they put a lot of money into that series, but they wanted them returns of 7 million. And it just wasn't happening. Like, there just wasn't enough players that were interested in the genre to be able to 
to get it. And, that, and that's what killed that franchise eventually. So you've got to have a top limit there somewhere. Definitely. I agree it's somewhere, but I don't think they've hit it yet. And I don't agree with you saying that they've, they've got there. I, I think there's still a, a bright future for the series. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of the IP and I'll back it all the way until it does die. Maybe this is the end of the arc because it kills off the series. And as you're saying, they, they plummet all their money into it and it, it doesn't sell where they need it to be. But do you think the people in the boardroom the managers, the directors, the people behind the computers that know the analytics and know the big amounts that they're making at the moment, do you think they're saying, oof, I'd hold off on this one because there's a cap here and we might hit it soon? No, they're, they're going to push forward. They're putting this into fifth and sixth gear and they're going to move forward with this in a big way. That's what I believe. How about you, Spence? You've been pretty quiet on this bit. Sure. I think, I think all that budget is completely fine to spend. Whereas usually, like you're saying, Davey, it makes a lot of sense where you need returns. And if you're spending too much money, you're just not going to get it. I don't think they care about that as much with this one because most of it is going towards working and getting used to this new engine, which is the engine they are going to use for every release for the probably 10 years after this game. So they probably don't really care how much they're going to spend on this title as it's probably going to be their first game in that new engine. So that's what I think the budget is. I think it's just getting to grips with this new thing. Do you think this is going to be on the new engine? Because the new engine, there's a hint there, isn't there? With the X. This is the next engine with the X. Now, we're only on Resident Evil 9. Now, my Roman numerals aren't up to full scratch, but a 9 isn't an X. I think the X is 10. So I would go out on a limb and say... This is the end of where we're going currently with Resident Evil at 9. And then 10 is your, your rework of everything. Because you're on a new engine, you're going to get new characters, a new storyline. Now that makes sense to me. I don't know about yourself, Davey. I would be shocked if they put another game out in this engine. Because RE4, as good as it looks, it ain't wowing anyone. It really isn't. There's, there wasn't a moment in that game that I thought, oh, wow. Like Callisto made it look like shit, right? That the game was obviously way better than Callisto. Like, it really was. And it didn't look bad, but it wasn't impressive. You, like, the start of the generation when we saw Village, it was like, it was like, whoa, fuck, this looks great. A few more years down the line, everyone else has leveled right up, and they're still stuck at that being the peak. I can't see them, unless this comes out, like, next year, early, like, say that's the game, the rumoured game, right? And it comes out in March or whatever. Say it is. Okay, I can see that still being in the same RE engine. And I wouldn't bat an eyelid at it. But if you go in any later than that, if you're getting towards, like, I don't know, like October, spooky season or something like that, and they decide to release it, no way. That hair looks gash. The, it, it just doesn't look like it, it should do. And it's not bad, but another year from now, when you've had like all these other big hitters that are coming out next year, it will really look tired. It will really look tired. So I think it's got to be a new engine now at this point for the next mainline entry. Maybe like a, a CV remake or something. You could do that in, in the RE engine. And I think everyone will be fine because you just compare that to how a PS2 looks and you'd be like, fucking hell, it looks insane, right? It carries a lot. But brand new environments, brand new things... It's got a wow, and like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know, I can't see it, man. 
I was playing slight bit of devil's advocate there just to uh, put the cat amongst the uh, the pigeons and see what your rebuttal would be on that one. But I completely agree with you. If I want a new game and it's got this massive budget, I want it on a new setup here. I want it on the newest engine. And And as you were saying... I would love them to go back and do some more remakes. I just want more Resident Evil. I'm so glad we can say it at this part of the show. And if they want to do it in this current RE engine and bring us, you know, Veronica, any of the Revelation games, I'm eating up. Outbreak. Uh, that's all we want. That's all anyone wants. Let's just give us Outbreak in the new engine sound. Call it a day. You don't even have to do any more mainlines then. Just keep making Outbreaks. I'd be happy with that. Basically mainline games you can play with mates. Great time. So I think with all that being said and done, let's move it on to the next rumour. Okie doke guys, that beer poll signals the second rumour of tonight. And this rumour is an interesting one, but we've also got a follow-up listener question which blends together. And I hopefully that will complement our outcome of answering this rumour. So here we go. Here's where the rumour starts. Sega. Sega. It's rumoured to be working on a new Wipeout game for Sony. Bandai Namco is supposedly working on a PlayStation IP as well. It's said that Sony will rely more on third parties and bet less on games as a service going forward. Now there's three statements there, guys. I'm going to come over to Spence first and get your immediate reaction based on those three headlines. Sure, okay. So, the Sega headline... I don't really care. I mean, it's Wipeout. I've never been a fan of Wipeout, never played any of them. Uh, I know they're great, just not for me. Especially now I've got, I can play GT in VR, so I'm not keen for a new racing game. Uh, Bandai Namco is probably working on a PlayStation IP. You know you know exactly what game that is, baby. Ooh, give it to me. I'm paying. But other than that, Sony relying more on third parties and betting less on games as a service going forward. I mean, yeah, that's fine, really. I don't see any issue with it. Games as a service are what they are, but it's fine. Let Sony do, I believe in Sony. I think just let Sony do whatever they think is best. Just keep giving me those beautiful games. Well, you give us a little bit of a hint that you know where... Uh... Bandai Namco are going and it's reportedly said they've come out and they said this IP will wipe the floor right are they building this up a little bit too much Spence absolutely not mate absolutely not they could never prepare you for what they're going to announce never so just for the audience sake I think we all know what you're meaning here but what do you mean by this mystery Bloodborne 2 Bloodborne <laughs> 2 it's Bloodborne 2 give us Bloodborne 2 please See, I was waiting for that because then I can add that into the search terms. Just say say it more, Spence, because we can put it as the caption as well. Bloodborne, new Bloodborne. And it was funny because we released a Bloodborne uh, remake video on the channel. And some of the feedback, everyone was like, clickbait. Oh, you've clickbaited. And it, it got quite a few views. So maybe we'll clickbait this one as well. So keep saying it, Spence, please. <laughs> Well, I'll talk about Bloodborne all day, every day. What a phenomenal game. This this is the news. Out of those three headlines, this is the one that actually is big to me. This is the one I care about. And it's, I mean, it's a rumor. And it's already been rumored for the last, what, 12 years? Is it going to happen? Probably not. But please, 
please. Okie doke. Well, that's Spencer's view on the three headlines. Coming over to Davey, how do you feel about these three? Well, feel free just to pick one if you want to dive into one a bit more in depth, or if you want to tackle the three, let's hear it. I think I'm going to tackle two. I think I'm going to save the last one because I think it would tie very much into the listener question that we've had submitted. So I'm going to go into the top two here we got. So first off, let's go for the big swing of dick here. Let's go for Bloodborne, right? I think at this point it's a fucking guarantee, right? If it's not Bandai Namco, it's Blue Point. It's one of the two. And I'm, I'll put my fucking money on that. I would put fucking bets on the line that it's either Blue Point or Bandai Namco themselves. Now, Bandai Namco did it last time. It was obviously PlayStation. It was a second-party relationship uh, funded by PlayStation, but obviously done in-house uh, Bandai Namco. So, yeah, why the fuck not? People are, people are dying for it. If Sony are willing to to pay a shitload of money and build that close relationship, which they already have with FromSoft, I mean, fuck, they own part of FromSoft anyway. Why not? It makes perfect sense, right? It just It's literally it's money sitting on the floor. And at the moment, they've got to finish off the Elden Ring DLC. But then what happens after that? No one's guess, right? No one knows. Bloodborne time. Fucking Bloodborne time. 100% is. The big question is, is it a Bloodborne 2 or is it a Bloodborne remake? I think either one of those two are valid. Personally, I'd love a number two. I'd fucking adore a number two. Am I going to be like cross and then spilt my milk? Oh, I can't believe they haven't done it. If it was a remake, no. I'd be fucking over the moon with it. So either one's a win-win for me, and I totally believe that, 100%. Now, the interesting one for me, the one that I'm actually more interested in, is this Sega working on a Wipeout game. Now, that is fucking huge, if that's the case. Now, it would make sense. Studio Liverpool were the guys that did Wipeout before. They closed down a number of years ago. And since their, their closure, we have not seen Wipeout return. We've had like the HDs and the 4K ports and all this stuff that are brought over to modern consoles. Uh, Wipeout Mega and all this stuff, right? It's been a franchise which has so much fucking potential on the PlayStation 5. And for whatever reason, they haven't jumped on it. Wipeout in VR would be fucking insane. And the, the work that they've done on, like, Gran Turismo to bring out, like, a kind of fully feature-complete game and then to back that up with a fully functioning VR mode, which is probably still one of the best, if not the best in class, for the PSVR 2. I imagine that the same could be done with Wipeout. And if there's no studios internally that want to work on the IP, and this is very important, and this is why I think Sony have such a, such a chokehold on the industry outside of Nintendo for being able to put out quality work time and time again. It's because they don't mandate for these things to be done from the studios. The studios go up and pitch their own ideas. And if none of them want to take on that franchise, it makes sense to be able to, to go out there and say, hey, publishers, we got this IP we want to get shipped. We're happy to fund it. Does anyone want to work on it? And a, a studio like Sega or a publisher like Sega, huge. And they've had so many chops over the years at the racing genre. Like Sega GT was fucking massive all the way up until its demise at the end of the, like the Dreamcast. I think there was actually one that came to the PlayStation and Xbox, maybe? Can't remember. But Sega have chops in this department anyway. They got like, if you want to take it even more to an arcadey level, they got like the Sonic Kart races and stuff like that, which is supposedly great. I think there is a great fit for this. A really great fit. 
Yeah, so ever since they had that close working relationship back on, you know, PS2 when that series was only on PlayStation before, obviously now it's grown in popularity and gone everywhere else, they haven't really had that same bond. So if this is a way to be able to strengthen that up, get them on side, which Sony don't have the same money as Microsoft. They can't be going out and just buying Sega and buying this kind of stuff. They need to build relationships that people just want to work with them. I think this is a great idea. I really do. I'm fucking so in for a new wipeout. It's way overdue. Give it to me. And if Sega are happy to do it, I'm fucking happy to be along for the ride. I fully believe both of these rumors, 100%. Don't know about yourself, Mr. Hoy. Well, my two cents on this, that if we are going to be getting a new Bloodborne, because you know, guys, I'm a massive fan of this series, I would imagine that we're going to get a remake as opposed to a Bloodborne 2 here. I think that's what we'd be talking about. I think they'd go down the same track as Capcom with the games that cannot be mentioned, which we've talked in depth about uh, in one of our previous rumours. So if you're on the podcast, well done for listening to the second rumour. If you're not on the podcast, make sure you go back and check that out. They're going to be in a situation where they're testing the water. People on Twitter have always been screaming out for Bloodborne, any Bloodborne, Remake it, number two, whatever, just give us more Bloodborne. People are out there. They know the fans are there. But do they know that translates into the money? Because it's all about that dollar, baby. And the way to prove that to your shareholders, to the board, to the managers, to the directors, is you go through the process of doing a remake and guaranteeing that when they put that effort in for Bloodborne 2, the buyers are out there. And that's where where I believe that one will go. But much like you, Davey, out of the three, the Wipeout one excites me a lot. And it confuses me slightly with the Sega ties. Now, I know Wipeout did launch on some of the Sega consoles as well as PlayStation originally. I think some of the original ones were were over there on on, on the maybe Dreamcast or Saturn at the time. Um, I'm reading on Wikipedia, so it must be right. But it's weird not to have Wipeout on the PS5. It really is. We've got a PlayStation console without Wipeout. That feels strange. That seems foreign to me. Now, we haven't had a Wipeout game since the Omega Collection on 2017, or if you count the iOS game, I'm not sure if you do. So it's been enough time. And for someone like Sega to pick this up, I think it's a match made in heaven. If they can make this game and make it sing to the same level that we expect on PlayStation 5 and utilize the graphics power that's out there, And I've just bought a new TV. This would look absolutely stunning if they can get it, get their shit together. And that's what I hope with this one. The thing about it is you're you're right in terms of being this graphical powerhouse. On the PS3, when when Wipeout came out, it was easily the best looking game on the console at the time it released. It was absolutely insane. I remember that you could just import custom songs into it. And uh, and so I was playing, like, I think the Soldier Boy album had just come out at that time. And I imported that album. And so many nights around mine on, like, a Thursday night, we just played Wipeout. We absolutely sweated the fuck out of it. Just listened to the Soldier Boy EP. Just on repeat for, like, fucking multiple years. It was wild. And it was absolutely sick. It was such a good game. And it was so fucking far ahead that whenever they've done these revisions, these reports to it, they haven't had to do an awful lot because it always just looked absolutely insane. So this could be the thing that really shows off what the PS5 is truly capable of in a racing setting. 
And holy hell, can you imagine how quick you'd be able to move and you'd be able to fly around? These things already go like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour. They could just make that speed feel so sick. And I can't imagine how good it would be to double tap for the boost to, to be able to take the corners quickly with adaptive fucking controls and adaptive triggers. Oh, man, it's crying out for it. It's crying out for it. Please, God, make this come to reality. Please, God. You've got to miss those days where you could load your own songs into games, haven't you? Because we had a lot of fun with that in the PS3 era, didn't we? Having our custom soundtrack for games playing along, it just encouraged you to play more. And now you have to have it playing off some other device, unfortunately. But you are right. I think this game, as I've said, it's the perfect title to really push the PS5, both graphically and, yes, as you've said, Davey, with that haptic feedback and all the different features that we have now on the DualSense Edge, let's push this into the future. Let's really see what the PS5 can do. And if Sega can do it, I think that's a big wow moment, isn't it, to have Sega attached to that. They've come into PlayStation and they wowed everybody. That would set Sega up then for the future of development on Sony's platform. How do you feel about this one, Spence? Because you've been a bit quiet on this. Yeah, I'm just not a wipeout guy. Uh, I mean, great for Sega and everything. Yeah, nice. And I know that Wipeout is a beautiful game, so I would be keen to see it. But it's just not something that interests me. I'm not sure why. It's a proper arcade racer kind of thing. It's great. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not much of a driving game player anyway. And all I've got enough of my freaking five, my seven hundred pound Gran Turismo setup. I got in my room that I never use. I don't need racing games. Sega doing it, cool, great. They have the props, they have the talent, they could do it, and I'm sure it'll be stunning. But then they also made Sonic Frontiers, which looks like dog ass, and that was only a few months ago. So just give it to a different team. Give it to a different team. But then yeah, sound, sound. But I I don't care if I don't care for it at all. I think it's probably true. You can't win them all. Right. There's a third one that we haven't tackled here, Davey. Obviously, Spencer's given his, his top-level thoughts on that, but we'll revisit it because I'm going to mould this in now with a listener question from the hot dog himself, Lurian, over on Twitter, our biggest fan. He always tweets in and provides epic questions for us to answer, and he hasn't disappointed with this one. He's kept it really short, which we appreciate, Lurian. You listened and you've delivered. Let's hit that jingle. There once was a show some time ago that asked four questions every fortnight or so. It became so rare they weren't prepared to have a personal rhyme. Oh God, I'm scrambling now to get a word that rhymes. So how can I wrap this up? I'll take this mail and go. Absolute banger. We need more listener questions. I want to encourage every single one of you next week to listen to this show over the period of the two weeks that we leave and start emailing in your questions because I want to hear that every week because it's never going to get old. Looking into the future, Phil says it gets old, so we change it. But at the moment, I am absolutely loving that tune. So please, listeners, send us in your questions for the next show, pswetrust at gmail.com, or of course, hit us up over on the Twitter. So over to the hot dog himself, Lurian, here is his question. And I'm going to read it verbatim. There is an 
unhealthy amount of negativity and pessimism around Sony's live service ambitions. <sighs> Lovely big words. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? MLB and GT are great. We've literally seen nothing else from any other game, all judged on rumours and speculation. Now, is this really justified? Now, Spencer, I know you've had your say, your initial thoughts on the third line of this epic rumour. Now, do you want to come back and give us a bit of a rebuttal based around what Lurian is saying here? I don't have any... I kind of... I don't really have a rebuttal for Lurian. I kind of agree. But it's also just a case of... It is an unhealthy amount of negativ negativity and pessimism, sure. But we, you get that for every video game ever. It's not just specifically to Sony's live service games or anything. It's whatever comes out by whoever gives it to us. There's so much hate in the world. So much. And we should all just love each other. Love everything except Exoprimal. And that is it. That's all we can do and ask for. It's just, I don't think this is anything that's specific to PlayStation's live service. But it's, you know, I do agree with him. It's definitely unneeded. I've got to love that you dropped the Exo Primal in there. You're being so lovey. You're being so hippie and bringing this, you know, into the past of love. And then you dropped Exo Primal and I immediately hated you. Anyway, let's move this on. Davey, what are you saying, mate? I think Lurian's onto something here, saying there's an unhealthy amount of negativity and pessimism around Sony's live service ambitions. All I would say to Lurian is to temper it a little bit because I think that's the same for any live service game. I know our reaction whenever someone mentions live service, our eyes roll. Right? We're like, oh, here we fucking go again. Why are you entering this space when you're competing with Warzone and Apex and all these big hitters? And I think that's probably the case for the collective vision, right? And people get worried and they say things like, oh, well, if they're working on live service, they're not going to be giving us our amazing single player games. Well, Sony've already come out and said that they are. So... I am much the same as yourself, Lorene, in that I am not worried at all about these live service games. I'm really not. You look at Sony's track record over the... Oh, God. Well, ever since PS3, really, we don't really seem to miss on a fucking Sony published game. Like, very rare. Like, I can think of, like, since PS4, if we take it to there, like, Knack and dreams and that's really about it in terms of like first party games there's the, the odd one or two but never like the the difference between a great one and a chip one the rating is very much in the great camp like absolutely like stacked up there i think unfortunately what happens is though lurian is that people don't think about things with a logical brain Right, all they do is they go on Twitter, they see the first thing they see, and they have just a guttural reaction without giving it a second thought. And they just type out those characters, chuck it up, and it's there. And then all that happens then is just like builds and builds and builds. And you get all these people that have a smooth brain as fuck, and they just cannot see the wood for the trees. And they just put out their bullshit opinion. And that's that's all it is. What remember what you're seeing online is generally the vocal minority. That seems to be the case. Because the people who feel differently 
You just scroll past it. You think, oh, it's bullshit. I won't even bother. And that's it because it takes effort to do that. And those kind of like smooth brain people that feel like that and, and can really just narrow it down to being live service equals bad and so we don't know what they're doing. Don't really take into account that Sony at the moment, and I think this is a true thing to, to level at Sony, is that we're pigeonholed at the moment in terms of being a single-player focused business. And and I think that's kind of irrefutable at this point. And now I'm not saying they're all third persons and all that, because that's bullshit, right? There's loads of, loads of different examples where that isn't the case. And even when they are third-person action games they're all drastically different from each other so they cannot be compared you can't compare ghost tsushima to spider-man 2 right you just can't and comparing that to the last of us it just doesn't work that way right or to uncharted or god of war they're all very different or horizon they're all different in how they do their do their games and sure the camera system may be similar i guess but that is that's the only link they have right i think that You've mentioned MLB and GT, right? MLB, would you class that as a live service game, Lurian? I don't know if I would. I mean, it's like saying it's FIFA live service, I guess, right? But it's also just an annual release sports game. So I don't know. GT is a great example, though. Gran Turismo, they have been doing so much work. A huge update just went out now, adding AI into into the game. Uh, in this Sophie AI they've added in, which completely revolutionizes the way that you can play Gran Turismo. It learns from you and will try and just continually try and level you up by providing opponents that know how good you are. And so as you play the game, the better you get, the, it won't be like an arbitrary kind of difficulty system or anything like that. It just knows your level that you're playing at and will try and match that to be able to challenge you to get better. So instead of you having to rely on ghost data when you do a lap time you've got ai kind of helping you along that path which is fucking incredible it opens the doors to so many different ways that that game will change and with the updates we've already seen them do with gt you know adding in vr adding in all these extra courses we got new snowy maps that have just gone up today all this stuff gt are fucking killing it and i know they came out of the gate and they kind of spluttered if you want to use an engine term with the amount of like kind of how much cost there is to be able to buy some of these the more expensive cars but it was kind of by design because it's a game that you want to be playing for years it kind of makes sense right like why would you want to split your load and be able to buy like the top level mclaren month one if they expect you to keep on playing this game for the next three years right it makes perfect sense to me perfect sense i can't go on to apex legends now and buy the best skin in the game with my 10 hours i need to play for 300 hours before i buy that that's just the reality of it and i can pay and i can cheat that if i want to but that's the way it is and people will then say things like oh but gt is a paid for game it should have all content included yes it is but the content you get for that like 70 quid investment is way more than you can ever need I, I put like a decent amount of hours, not low, it's probably about like only 10, 10 or so hours into it and just been doing the licenses and the, uh, and the main story and that content's fucking high tier as fuck. There's so much there. There's so much history. There's so much love and compassion that's been put into this game. You can see how much they adore cars in Polyphony and I don't feel for a second that I've been kind of ripped off here with that and I think GT is the only example we have so far of that. 
I think when we get to Fear Games and we get to some of these other known and talked about and kind of announced already live service games, if they come out the gate and they hit, no one will say shit about it anymore. The same way that Sony release and, and they say, oh, we're releasing a new single player game. No one's like, ooh, oh God, where are we going with this? It's not like we are whenever Xbox announced a new single player game and you think, well, we'll fucking wait and see right? Because they haven't built up that street cred for it. I think this is a short-term problem that isn't even a problem. I think you're you're too busy focusing on the Twitter minority and not how the majority of PlayStation owners feel. I think most people just have a certain level of confidence now in the studio and the publisher that they won't put it out for shit. They just won't. They'd rather just reinvest the time or cancel the project. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. I really wouldn't. I don't know how you're feeling about this one, Mr. Hoy. Well, if you've managed to make it through David's monologue, here's what I think. So live service, I think is such a kind of swear word these days, isn't it? There's a lot of negativity around live service. It's a bit like Battle Royale was for a little bit, loot boxes or the stupid monkeys that people bought. And I believe that they associate that kind of negativity with it because it's all down to money, isn't it? They think it's just a way for Sony to penny pinch, charge you out the wazoo for a game you really dedicated to and you've got sucked into and you want that next thing, whatever that next thing is. And you hear people going wild on Twitter about Oh, my live service. I'm not touching that. I'm not going to play it. But as 99% of those people out there on Twitter actually played these games, I'm probably going to say no, because there's a lot of quality out there when it comes to live services games. I know there's not loads of them out there for, for PlayStation, but in general, live service games, there's a plethora of absolutely spectacular experiences. Now, for me, live service is generally... And I'm saying generally because PlayStation sometimes charge you a bit more. It's a cheaper way to get a great experience. And it can last longer than those 25 hours that you paid 60 or 70 pounds for Spider-Man 2. It's a way of prolonging that game and giving you a little bit more content. Bang for your buck. If you don't want to buy the gold skin with the diamond eyes, you don't have to. Just forget about it. Who cares? As long as these upgrades are only vanity in my eyes and not game breaking, I'm down. And I think that's where developers have made issues for themselves, rods for their own backs in the past, where they've put things into games where people can buy and, it, and you're automatically overpowered and ruins it. But just remember, when people are spending money in a game that can last years, they should be reinvesting that back into the game to give you new functionality, to give you new seasons, to give you new things to go out and do, if they're doing it right. Which hopefully they do. But hopefully that goes some way to answering your question, Luren. And I look forward to the next time you write into the show. Now that ends it there for this rumour. And we're going to bring it on to the topic of the show. Stop. Topic time. And here we are at the topics, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking with us and thank you for enjoying the show. As always, ways to support us. You can put a five-star rating on your podcast service of choice. If you're listening on YouTube and you got to this point, consider putting a like and a subscribe on the channel. On the drive to 200, five away at this time of recording. Come on, do us a favor. 
But that's enough of shilling for your support because it looks like some of these studios may need support in the near future. We are, of course, talking about today the layoffs that have been announced at Media Molecule and Bungie. Now, they're two very different kettles of fish. So instead of trying to tackle them both in one go, I think the easiest way of this is just to break down what's happening at each single studio, talk about those studios, and then if we can, try and tidy it all up at the end. But we'll see how well we manage that. Now, you may notice that Spencer is no longer with us. He's still okay. He had a family emergency he had to shoot off. So it is just myself and the fine wine to take us through this topic. But Phil, nobody else would rather be with than you. So let's do it, mate. Butter you up before I throw you a curveball probably later on, right? So you Okey throw dokey. me under the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Throw you to the wall. It normally mate. goes. <laughs> so first off, I've got an article here about the media molecule. All right. Now, this is an article from videogames.si.com. I've never used them before. But I really quite like this article. So, sources, Media Molecule to lay off 15 to 20% of staff. Now, that sounds horrendous. In reality, we're talking lower numbers here. So, it's not actually that big of a deal, but still very important. Now, I'll read the original article in a moment. But Media Molecule have come out and they put out an official statement for this. So, I'm going to read that first verbatim. Media Molecule has made significant strategic changes during the past year including shifting our focus from dreams to our new project. We've had to make the difficult decision to begin the consultation process for team members within certain departments of the studio. This is a tough moment for the individuals impacted and the studio overall. Every single role that has been put at risk is delivered by someone who has contributed something special to Media Molecule. We will make sure those impacted receive the best support we can provide during this process. We will continue to support the dreams community for the foreseeable future and we'll update on future plans at a later date. Now, that's the official statement. Now, here's the story, okay? GLHF sources say UK game developer Media Molecule plans a round of layoffs with around 20 jobs being on the chopping block. Targeting a headcount of 115 employees, this is a significant reduction from the roughly 135-strong workforce. Employees were informed about this in an internal meeting today on October 24, 2023. There we have it. Now, of course, Media Molecule is a UK-based studio, which means that we are subject to UK laws of employment. So you can't just bin someone off and they go. They have to serve a severance period. Uh, and there's a whole consultation process that comes along with making someone redundant. So it's not something that's very easy to do in the UK. And generally, it's the case that when you do make somebody redundant, normally it's that job role is closed. So it's not like as, as if in case they say, right, well, going to make them redundant and then we're just going to hire a brand new team. It doesn't really work that way in UK law. It's a little bit muddier than that. And that's why what I'm glad to see here in this statement from Media Molecule, I don't know how you feel about this film. I think this is a lovely, lovely statement in terms of, you know, they got to let people go. It's never good, right? The news isn't good here. But the way this has been worded is lovely. You can tell that whoever has written this, that this is, this is, bad like this is just a they didn't probably want to do this right but i mean how this is worded is at least nice right which kind of does back up the perception of media molecule in terms of being like this more like kind of smaller family run studio rather than something like say naughty dog or insomniac where they got you know potentially they scale up to like thousands of employees right first off how did the news about media molecule impact you do you have any thoughts about 
why this potentially may be the case or what this may mean for the immediate future of Medium Molecule? Well, I know we always dunk on Medium Molecule. It's an open goal for us on the podcast, because let's be honest, they haven't stuck to the same level of quality that we come to expect with them since the PS3 days. They've just been stagnant. You know, we loved Little Big Planet on PS3, and we were just expecting the next iteration over on PS4, and we were hoping, we were hoping that they could pull it out of the bag on PS5. Now, unfortunately, the games they've released since haven't hit for us. You know, Dreams was a little bit of a mess. We did get to experience that on the PS Plus Extra, and that was okay. It was fun enough, but it didn't get us hooked. They've lost the special source, in my opinion. Now, I'm going to tell you a cute little story, actually, about me doing all of the cure. Because when I was applying for jobs, once I came back from London, I actually applied for a job at Media Molecule as a web developer. I sent in my CV and I sent it to a bunch of video games companies and I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed just coming off a, off a job with The Gadget Show, a TV show uh, in the UK. And I applied to a bunch of video games companies because I thought that's, that's where I want to be. I'd love to be in the video games industry. And out of all the companies I applied for, Media Molecule was the only one that replied, and it was with advice. And I took on that advice, and I improved myself to a level which I think I probably could reapply to these studios now and get a position. And it was loving. And that family edge that you're talking about was evident throughout all the interactions I had with this company. They are special. And I do apologize for some of the things we have said in the past about Media Molecule, because they are a lovely company. Now, reading this through, I can understand why they need to make this change. And it's business. And it's all down to dreams and the new direction that Media Molecule needs to go in to survive. I think, personally, they're at that point now where they need to change. They need to do something new or they need to do something old and please all the fans. They need to pull their finger out and get back to what made them special. As I said, I believe they've lost the special source. Now, I'm seeing this, and don't crucify me for this, as a bit of a positive for Media Molecule. At, for the company, I think it's a positive that they can go on and, and almost change themselves now into what we've been asking for since the PS3 days. And as a customer, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do in the future. Of course, it's terrible for the people involved. You never like to hear people losing their jobs. But ultimately, as I said, as a consumer of these video games, I want to see a change from them. And maybe it takes getting rid of 20% of the staff to actually make that change. And maybe they were so dream-specific staff that it made sense to get rid of them. That's what I'm seeing anyway. I don't know about yourself, Davey. Do you know, I've I got to totally agree with you, 100%. I think I take this as a real positive. I think, and you're right, we do dunk on Media Molecule. This studio we dunk on the most now. It went through a phase where it was like Ubisoft for a while, and now Media Molecule get the brunt of it. But I'm not sorry for it, because they fucked up, right? They, they just fucked up. Dreams were just a bad idea from the off. It was terrible, and it launched at a really bad time. If it came out at the start of the PS4 and had the entire generation to really you know, seed a fan base over time with like these great little projects. Fab, right? Start of the generation, it would have banged because they were coming hot off Little Big Planet. 
it would have really just hit. It would have been great. But then when you got such a delay before Dreams coming out, and everyone's like, oh, is that the, the like, kind of dildo staff game they showed at the start with that guy making a face model out of clay? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one that you saw on the launch of the PS4, that one you saw there before the PS4 actually came out, that came out right at the end of the generation. So, well, fucking do better, right? Do better. And I think the thing is, right, and the thing we've been asking for on this podcast, or I know I have specifically, is a case of I want them to go and make a game. I don't need just creative tools. I need a game that I can play. And if it's got creative tools on the back end, or they release those later down the line, fab. Because it just means you get more player engagement, you can retain players for a bit longer. That will make sense, right? And that's kind of their bread and butter. But the industry doesn't really give a shit about create like creative control stuff anymore that's not really why people are playing like you think about the biggest stuff that we've got at the moment in terms of like live service games or for single player content it's all about the experience and about being able to get something that bangs and that really captures the public consciousness and goes from there we've got a severe lack of platformers on the playstation especially from first party we've only had one so far uh two i suppose for the ps5 in terms of Ratchet and Astro. Give us a good platformer. You know, that, that was their bread and butter before. Little Big Planet was great with the creative controls, but it really worked because it was just fun to play. It was a fun game with a great character that tied it all together. And I think sometimes if you've got a staff who are all of the same mind, they've come up for, probably together for, for quite a long time, I imagine... If you want to make a, a substantial change, say Sony have come in and they've been like, look, guys, you really need to pull your finger out your ass now. Like, we've given you enough rope here. And unfortunately, you're hanging yourselves with it. You need to make a change here. The leadership then at that point knows they need to get fresh people in. They know they need to refocus. And some people are not going to be happy with change. They don't like change. And as part of the change curve, some of these staff may be quite open to leave as well. So there is that possibility here. You don't know that for sure. It's never an easy decision. But unfortunately, when times are tough, you have to make these decisions. And it's how you survive. And if they didn't, they would go the same way as, say, Big Big in the past or any of the studios that, unfortunately, were killed off in the PS3 generation. So I, I think this is a net positive, both for the studio and for us as the players. Now I've got to agree in everything you're saying there, David. We're both sipping from the same soup and you've hit the nail on the head with what you're saying about creative sandbox games. It's not what people are crying out for at the moment. It's not what we need and it's not what we want. But a game that is a game first, like Little Big Planet, that had those creative tools, that worked back in the day because it was a game first. And that's what we want on MPS We Trust, we want a game from Media Molecule. We want that to be the main focus. Of course, if you want to include things like creative tools or anything that's going to, you know, break that wall and, and change gaming, add that in. But let's not have that as the focus. We believe that is the reason Dreams went the way it did. And I do think something like that possibly could work with the ps5 there's so much potential in that console at the moment we're only at the start of what's possible we're seeing leaps and jumps now with every new AAA title that's coming out at the moment so it's there you've got all the tools media molecule 
You're now going to be able to build a team around that future. The possibilities are endless, but you've got to remember, we want games first. But if you're going to include those creative tools, let me tell you now, let me talk to you. You need to include and you need to leverage the ties we have with PC. That's the only way I see it happening because I ain't sitting there on my PS5 designing some level. We're going to get cut the knife too. That's the level we're going to be getting. We're not going to be getting any mind-blowing games from me. And I'll just bin it. You'll spend so much time, again like you did with Dreams, wasted. Just concentrate on games first and then maybe include that special sauce, those little sprinkles on the top of my ice cream as an extra. That's what I want to see from the future of Media Molecule. And I know that's not necessarily talking about the layoffs, but I think the layoffs definitely involve the future of Media Molecule and the new direction because they're going to need to hire these people to push forward with this dream. And that wasn't with these dreams. <laughs> I like that. I like that, that little uh, pun on the name as well. But no, you you are right. And I think I know we're, we're coming to the same conclusion here, but I think this is just the case of this is the way business goes. And if things aren't working, you need to take some steps to be able to change that. If you've got people on the team or certain departments or certain businesses on the team that will not be used for a while, why keep them on staff? You know, like, I, and I get it. It's, it's, it's painful to let them go, especially when you've got a small studio size of 135. Everyone's going to be felt and it's going to suck and it's going to be horrible. That's the reality of it. And you're totally bang on, Phil. Whatever they do next, if there is some form of creative outlet in that, you have to leverage PC. You have to. If they don't, it's just another own goal where you're limiting your platform size. Can you imagine how good Dreams would be if it was just open for everyone to use? And like we said, a fuck, a few episodes back, probably about 10 episodes ago, we came up with a whole fucking business plan for Dreams and how you can make that successful. In terms of being able to monetize the content that people publish on there and they could like pay for games and you know all this stuff. There's so many ways to be able to monetize that content and to be able to get it open to a wider player pool that would could potentially enjoy it. But no, they just don't. You know, like I don't know. I mean, like, the only successful game I can think of in the creative space at the moment is probably Roblox. And that's a child's game. But, you know, people will do some really cool stuff in that. My son absolutely eats it up. He adores it. And there's money to be made at the wazoo in that game. It's monetized to hell. It's possible. You've got to have it on PC, though. Because Roblox has only just come to PS5 and it's been out for like 10 years. So you've got to know where your audience are. I think it's really brave of Media Molecule to come out with this statement. Because they know they were going to get a backlash from the vocal majority over on Twitter. They're going to go crazy because they just read the headlines. They don't do the digging, which hopefully we're making a little bit of a name for now in the podcasting space, because we are trying to find out the real reasons and, and give some sense to some of these accusations that you see all across Twitter. They're putting themselves out there and they're being transparent in the changes they're making. Wouldn't it be so much worse if they tried to hide this? And it get reported by this third party. And a media molecule were like silent about it. Like that would be a horrible way to go. But they're upfront about it. They're telling you what's happening. 
and they're not keeping us in the dark like some companies have in the past and they deserve the backlash they got but here i think that's fine that's just business at the end of the day but i don't think you're ever going to please twitter are you no as soon as this job losses everyone always jumps on the this is really really bad instead of thinking about the why is it got to this point you know what has led to this if dreams had been wildly successful and they were doing this, then you'd ask questions in terms of, hold on a second, like, why are you letting this talent go? The UK games industry is growing and there's a lot of studios now. Hell, I think we've got, what, two or three now in the UK itself uh, on in PlayStation First Party? And the wider industry itself in the UK, there are pockets of pockets of greatness, but you don't have the same kind of talent pool that you do over in, like, the States or, you know, or China now. Um, China really blowing up. So, I, I don't know. I mean, Twitter is just fucking useless. And I think you always got to just come at it with a business head. And I think this is the one thing that that is quite handy for our podcast in a way is that we do these kind of roles that you get to see behind the curtain in terms of how business works and and why things lead to to where they inevitably go. And yeah, it's sad, but overall, a positive story for Media Molecule. And I'm really looking forward now, and I wouldn't have said this before, before this news. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what the next project is, because I think it's going to be fundamentally totally different to what we've had. And I think that's going to be so fucking welcome to see. I really hope to see as a result of this, that we see the rise to Media Molecule to be one of the top dogs in the PlayStation ecosystem. Like they were in PS3, they were fucking untouchable. Literally, they were like the absolute star. They had the fucking mascot for the console, for God's sake. Just coming out of nowhere. They can do it again. And they need this to be able to make sure that happens. But that's enough about Media Molecule. Let's move on to Bungie, right? Now, the Bungie stuff here is a little bit more complicated. And I think it's a little bit more nuanced as well. So this is an article from GameIndustry.biz. I, I fucking love GameIndustry.biz. They're so good. And what they've done is they published a story uh, on October 30th, but they've had an update, right? So, and this was updated on November 1st, so two days ago from date recording. I'm going to read this verbatim, okay? Now, I will put the link to gamesindustry.biz's article in the description of the podcast. So please go on there and consider giving them a click because they do some great work over there. Anyway, here we go. The layoffs at Bungie affected around 100 people which is about 8% of its 1,200 staff, Bloomberg have reported. Sources told the publication that CEO Pete Parsons said earlier this month that Bungie would be cutting costs with salary and hiring freezes, as well as limiting travel before the unexpected layoffs were announced on Monday. Staff laid off will receive a minimum of three months of severance and health insurance, as well as prorated bonuses. Community management and publishing teams seem to be particularly affected by the layoffs, with Bungie reportedly telling staff that these jobs would be handed to a third party going forward. Earlier this month, Bungie staff were reportedly warned that Destiny 2 was underperforming and had experienced a drop in popularity, with executives also telling employees two weeks ago that revenue was 45% below projections for 2023. Wow. CEO Pete Parsons reportedly cited Destiny 2's Lightfall expansion as a factor in the title's poor retention, as well as feedback not being where it needed to be for upcoming expansion The Final Shape. IGN reported that the latter has now been delayed to June 2024, wow, while Marathon 
which had been in development since 2019, has been pushed back to 2025. However, Bloomberg believes that layoffs are part of a larger cost-cut initiative coming from Bungie parent Sony. Now, that's what they've said, and that's what Bloomberg has said. Now, we all know Bloomberg can't be trusted with shit. So we've had some extra news with this, and I think this this one statement here is, is quite important, and this is the one that I'm going to go off here. The layoff decisions come directly from Bungie management, not Sony. This is not about Sony replacing Bungie employees with their own people. Now, for those that have a great memory, you'll probably remember that when the Bungie deal was went through, and it went through for you know an exorbitant price, part of that deal was that they had talent retention. So that people couldn't just jump ship as soon as they were bought. So that they kept the people that the reason why they were buying the studio, right? A name is only a name. You need the people that make that studio a success. And so that's why in Sony's claws, when they bought them, they had that talent retention. Now, letting 100 people go of 1,200 staff is pretty big, but in the grand scheme, it's not huge, right? 8% of staff, it's not everything. Still 100 people, right? So it really sucks for them. So again... Just like Media Molecule, sorry that you're going through this. I really am. But for me, looking at this, I mean, this shows there's problems over in Bungie right now. I mean, if you've got turnover that's 45% below projection, something's fucked up there. Something's wrong, right? Now, Destiny 2's been out for a long time, and it's had a very... It's had great player retention. It's one of the reasons why they've been bought, right? And why they've been bought into Shepard, the PlayStation Studios. If that started dropping off a cliff where they're fucking up with these updates, they need to really slow shit down and listen to their audience. Really hone in on what people want and just do it. Just get it right. Like, that's that's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. And you could take some risks. You can do little things. You could do, like... Dead by Daylight do this really well. They do like little private uh, beta servers where people can go on and test the newest version of the game. They can then put out shitloads of content about that, share that openly, about what's fucked, what's working, what's not. And then when it comes to the full release, it's different. The things that work, the people love, they keep things they didn't, they just take back. And they just it's this revision process all the time. Maybe Destiny 2 needs to change it up. And instead of having expansions like they do... Just have more frequent content drops. I don't know. I'm not a Destiny player. But all I'm thinking at the moment is that if Marathon's delayed to 2025, that's a big red flag. Big. We only just learned about it. Like, properly, with its unveiling trailer a few months back. And if that's now pushing 2025, ho, 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 that's worrying. I don't know, man. I think this is... This shows there's something bad happening there. And I don't know if laying off these 100 people is going to be enough. The community management and publishing teams are the ones that apparently have the ones that have felt the worst. If that's the case, then that obviously ties in directly to how the community are feeling in terms of if they're feeling they're a bit, being a bit abandoned, they've been left to the side, things like that, they're not being listened to. They need to go. I need to get new people in there that are probably, in the way that I would look to do it, higher from within that fucking community 
and get them involved. That's how Street Fighter have managed to turn it around and get Street Fighter 6 to the point it is, is you just get them in from the fucking root. And they know the game way better than the devs do because they play it for like every single day. That's what you need to do. And maybe we're letting these people go. We'll start seeing that improvement. But I mean, it's a bit of a fucking mess over there right now. Phil, what are you thinking about all this news? Well, 100 people leaving the company. As you said, around 8% of 1,200 staff are now being given the orders to pack their boxes and leave their desks. Now, I've got a bit of a question before I get into the nitty-gritty of this one. Does staff changes like this affect a studio? Now, what percentage would you say of staff leaving a studio affects it to the point where, actually, it's not the studio maybe Sony bought? And now, did Sony just buy the name here? Say it was more like 50% of them. Say it was a lot more. Then Sonya just left with the name. And is that worth the money they paid for it? I'm not sure. It's just a thinking point because I'm going to get onto this later. I think this is a story within a story. I think there's something bigger going on, as you've alluded to here, Davey. Those hundred people, I kind of feel like it's just the start of what we're going to see now with this fallout. But I like to just highlight the three-month severage pay that the employees are getting over there at Bungie. And we're not talking about the temps that we went on about with Naughty Dog and Kotaku going absolutely crazy because they weren't getting severage pay. You don't get severage pay if you're a temp at a company. You only get it if you're an employee. And these employees are getting paid. So ultimately, it's not the worst thing in the world. They're not out on their arse at the end of the day. But as I said, I feel like this is a story within a story. Because Pete, he's cutting them costs. And he's cutting those costs because he's got the, the revenue projections for this year, 45% down. Now, in the company I work for, I have to present the revenue to my CEO. And if I had to present 45% down to my CEO, I think I'd be out the door as well. I don't know how some of these people are holding on to their jobs there, especially at the management level, because it starts there. It's not the people doing the code. It's not the people cleaning the toilets. It's the people making the decisions. And those are the people that should be affected by this. But 40, 40, that's a huge number. And the marathon stuff, that really worries me because after seeing what we saw at the gaming events for marathon, I, I'm really into it. I was, I was really buying in. It's got a really unique aesthetic there and it got me excited. And that's what Bungie really wanted. That's what Sony really wanted. But now hearing that there's going to be delays... There's those negative connotations. They start creeping into the back of your mind. Ooh, delays. It's not going to be as good as you thought it was. So when it comes out at that higher price point, which inevitably it probably will be because it's on the Sony platform, less people are going to buy it. So they're already losing there. They're losing because of this news. And with all this confusion between who's cutting the costs, who's making the decisions, is it Sony, is it Bungie? That just muddies the water even further. Because who are we to believe? I think the revenue here is the most important part of this story. But I do believe this is just the start of what's going to happen here. So, Phil, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that I think this may be the start. However, I don't think it's going to be the same level that you're, you might be thinking it would be. I think the, the big thing with this 
is who they let go. And as you said, it's not the people at the lower end that really need to worry too much. It's more about those decision makers, those kind of key people. Now, I think it's good news that they've let off the, the community lead, right? Because if the player retention's down and that's affecting their bottom line in revenue, the buck stops there, right? They're the people that are responsible for building that community and trying to thrive that. Now, there's also the argument that could, could be made that a game of this age maybe doesn't have the legs that they thought it did. Maybe they overestimated how, how much it's got in terms of a life, life cycle when you've got so much competition in the market. But removing that from the example and sticking straight to who goes, I think the big thing here is you need to really just evaluate. And I think this is what will be happening now from Pete Parsons is who you got in your team, what the vision that you've got and your leadership. And they're running as an independent company outside of Sony right now. So I don't think Sony would be having too much say, although you could certainly imagine that there would be questions asked in terms of what's going on here. And what the plan is, and they'd want to know what that detail is from Pete Parsons. But Pete, it's just got a decision in terms of, right, do we double down? How do we win these people back? Can we do it? And who do I need to get into my business to be able to make that happen? And right now, just like anything, after you do a job for a certain amount of time, or you're doing a product for a certain amount of time, you need to get fresh ideas in. You need to get new people in who can see see the difference between what's there at the moment and what's lacking and be able to make that change. And that's what Bungie desperately need. They really need that. Now, the important bit of context that we're missing here, and this is why it's a little bit tricky to kind of really go off, is that there's no financial reports for Bungie, right? Like, or none that I can find. And so it's a little bit harder. I can't really dive into a balance sheet. And start having a look and seeing like where the issues are. Because that would that would really highlight it as clear as day. Unfortunately, I don't have access to that. So I may get that on the next Sony report that comes out. Maybe I'll to filter that down into Bungie specific. But I don't know. It may just be kind of all factored in. And that's a bit of a damn shame. Think if it was me and I was running this company. And somebody came to me and said, look, revenue's down 45%. Like you said, straight away, head start rolling in terms of right. Okay, what happened? Tell me what happened. I want to report on my desk in terms of why, how many players will be lost? Why is this expansion not gone the same way? Is it a case to our marketing guys need to be, you know, kind of taken to task? Does it need to be a case that we need to go after the community leads? Do we need to go into the game devs and start having a look and see how we freshen up the experience? Whatever the case is, I'm worried that Marathon getting delayed is going to hurt Sony more than Bungie in terms of if Sony have got the plans for this being like their live service push and then this game slips if Fair Games goes the same way or any of these other ones I mean how much longer can you not be part of this space right and that's going to suck and that's where Sony are really going to start putting the foot down on this I really feel though that if a company gets to this point and it's quite a hard thing to say. And I'm trying to let kind of emotion out of this now. But if a company gets to this point, things are bad. Like there needs to be change. There needs to be. If you just continue going along this path, it's not going to suddenly sort itself out overnight. It should be looked at in a situation like this when you've got that kind of revenue downfall as a case of 
we're hitting the emergency button, we're course correcting. And for, if I was in the community at this point, I would be feeling quite positive in terms of there's only one way it can go. Or you hope, right? That's the, that's the idea, is that you'd hope that it can only go one way and it can start building itself back up. And maybe that's my glass half full approach. But that, that's where I'm coming at with this, is that I feel this could spell some good things for Bungie in the not too distant future because they need to act fast to get these players back. That's a very positive outlook. Let me give the other flip side of the coin because community, I think that's the most important word here in what we're talking about. We're talking about Bungie. This is the reason Sony went out and cherry-picked this company. Were they not the ones winning all the awards for their community engagement? Now, what has happened? I don't actually play any Bungie games, but if I'm Sony and I bought a company for the USP, their unique selling point here was community, and I paid a lot of money for them. And if that's disappearing or reducing, then as Sony, I would not be happy. Now, is this the point where Sony steps in? and starts to protect their asset, because that's what Bungie are. This is business, remember. It doesn't matter who works for them. They're an asset to Sony at the moment. They're a name. They bought them for a reason, because Sony's leaning further and further into live service games, and that's what Bungie is known for, and that's what they do well. Is it just going to end up as a name, as I said earlier, which Sony just attaches to live service without the benefit? Now, I don't want that. I want all the great things that I was promised with this acquisition. I want Marathon to be the next big thing that I'm proud to play on PlayStation. But hearing this news really worries me. And that's the flip side of your, uh, your positive outlook on this one, Davey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, proof's going to be in the pudding, right? And we'll see soon enough in terms of what action we take. Now, we don't have the context here of how long this has been going on for in terms of this kind of player loss. Uh, IGN uh, put on there um, in, in an article, they put that uh, Parsons said the right people have been kept for Destiny 2, that employees told, um, employees were speaking about the fact that player sentiment is at an all-time low and employees beg for changes to get players back. So it seems to me that so much has not been listening, right? And they've just been foolhardy in terms of their approach. And maybe with them gone and a change in leadership and a change of like maybe an entire team, if it's spread through, if you think, right, how much a leader can have impact on a team in terms of their mentality, in terms of the way they, they do business, the way they think, the way they approach stuff, it could well be that this entire team with this, with this community engagement was so far up their own ass in terms of the success that they've been riding for so long that you just need to bin fucking shitloads of them to be able to get enough change in to get a change intact, right? And and that's what I'm fucking hoping for. I'm really hoping, and as I said, proof be in the pudding with this, in maybe the next two quarters. So maybe by the time we get to mid-year June of 2024, we'll be able to then look and see, right, well, what's happened in the space? And I think this is one that as a podcast now, I'm going to keep a close eye on this. I'm not involved in the Destiny community, so it's a little bit difficult to try and keep up with it. But I'm going to make a conscious effort to try and follow now 
and join the Reddit, things like that, and just try and see what's happening because we will need to see huge fundamental changes before March. 100% before March, before the end of Q1. Has to be. If not, it's looking ropey then. I think it's really easy, though, for them to get complacent. And I think that's what's happened here for doing something you're well known for. So all the community stuff that we're talking about, they're probably like, yeah, we, we nail this. But no one's keeping up with the high levels of kind of attention that you need to pay to this to keep that ball rolling. Exactly the same as Media Molecule, which we talked about earlier. You've got to stay consistent or you drop the ball. And you can't just rely on what you did in the past to carry you through. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on at the moment where they've just got a bit lazy. It does happen. It easily happens, especially if you've been in a position for a while. It's quite hard to be able to keep that spark ignited and that kind of hunger for going forward with something. And if things are going right, there's often the sentiment which creeps in, and this is where you need great leadership, of, oh, we'll just keep doing what we've always done. But great leadership is about making sure that goalpost is raised every single year, making sure that people are challenged and they're hungry to be able to improve. And that's how you make sure your business remains relevant. And I think, I think that's a logical conclusion to come to with this, is that complacency breeds contempt. And that's what's happened. And their audience then are just going to turn around and say, Do you know what, enough's enough. The same way that I'm feeling about COD. You know, that complacency this year... Fuck me over on it. I'm not interested. Whereas if they put the effort in and they're really taking the time to try and outdo themselves, it's a different kettle of fish. And you get people batting for you. And you get evangelists in your own community who will sing the praises, do the content for it, look after it. Whereas you start pissing off that community, and it doesn't take many people. You know, you get a couple of influential YouTubers that really focus on your content and really focus on Destiny too. That start saying it's gone to shit and it's dead and the game's dying and all this. And player sentiment soon turns around. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we'll definitely be picking this topic back up as the quarters unfold. And hopefully, hopefully, on the next Sony Financials, I'll dig through it. God, you better sub for this. Jesus Christ, take me ages. I'll dig through it and see if I can find anything from Bungie. Anything that will kind of give me a little bit more knowledge than I have right now. Because I feel like we're kind of having to clutch a little bit at what everyone else has written and that that always rubs me up the wrong way because we know from doing this show for long enough now that none of these websites can really be trusted to do due diligence so i'm looking forward to being able to uncover that for myself and then be able to feed that back to you the audience but that leads me to ask you all how do you feel about these layoffs with media molecule and bungee are you happy with them same way that myself and phil I think overall, it's kind of a net positive for both of these, right? The change is going to be happening. And if that's needed, that's, that's the way it is. That's how we feel. Do you agree? Or are you coming at this from a different angle? Let me know right into the show, psvtrust.com, or hit us up on Twitter, at trust. That brings us to the end of episode 79. What a wild ride, Phil. It's been amazing. Spencer, of course, sends his love. Uh, apologies he couldn't be with us on this final topic. If you've enjoyed the show, there's a number of ways you can support us. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, then hi. Make sure to put a like and subscribe on the channel. Road to 200, baby. Just about there. Want to get it this side of Christmas. 
thank you ever so much. If you're listening on podcast services, then please put a rating on the show. We're doing well with ratings. We are building them up, and especially compared to some of our contemporaries, we're still stuck at a five-star, which is amazing. So thank you all ever so much. If you want to add and become, say, the 24th or 25th reviewer, it really would mean a lot. And if you were to put a review on and make the effort to write a review, it gives us your name, in which case we can shout you out on the next episode and just share our thanks. In fact, I may even create a special little jingle for whenever someone does put a rating on. I may even do one. And that would be lovely. I'll be able to sing your praise a little bit. Let me know. If you don't, if you don't do it, the same way the bungee go around cutting heads, it's going to happen. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But one of these days, you'll see someone turn up with a machete and you think, shit, I'm going to put the rating on now and I'll say it's too late. I've given you long enough. 79 episodes now. You'll be enjoying this for free. Put a fucking rating on, all right? Sort it out. That's been it, Phil. I reckon we wrap it up, shall we? Let's end it. Let's take it to the bridge. Yeah, let's end it. Let's end it. I've been Davey. I've not been Spencer. Take care, guys. Peace. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at SSJDavy, at PhilipHoy, at SpenPi underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.